All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 301. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and I am joined by... Tucker Marcus, assistant editor. What? what? How did that happen? Uh, to be honest, I couldn't tell you. I, I have no idea why I'm here, how I'm here, anything. It's a whirlwind. Uh, long-time listeners to the show, which there are very many of you, yeah. uh, and we thank you for being with us for... I don't... For over 300 episodes now, um, or however many you've been with us. But for longtime listeners, um, Tucker is one of our former interns, was on the show helping out. Uh, Andres is here as well. He's manning the board, which is a tiny little recorder, and he's doing a great job. Um, but uh, Tucker is a former intern, and you may have remembered the comedic stylings of Italian Tucker. I, I mean, if you can call it that then maybe uh, other 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 names for it might just be like horribly offensive general annoyances sure sure at best yep too horrible like horribly offensive that's yeah, yeah. at worst no that's great yeah uh and then that I, I that's you know that's why i was hired yeah to be horribly <laughs> offensive I, no just generally annoying well i mean hey look you guys knew what you were doing by bringing me back yes yes we did <laughs> um so just because you're going to be a probably a regular voice on the show yeah. going forward. Um, so tell the listeners, what's your deal? What is my deal? Um, yeah, so I was here in the fall of 2015. Uh, uh, completed my internship, did so many of the great things that Andres is doing now. Uh, and uh, left, I was uh, writing for the site for a long time, working with Mr. Ben, doing that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, and made my way back. Uh, the New Jersey boy returns a slightly older boy to New York City. <laughs> fashion boy. <laughs> the fashion boy. As I have okay. told you. Well, he, l let me explain this for listeners. I I like to wear... I like... <laughs> look, let's start here. I like pants. And, uh, and my pants are at a length that... Um, yeah, it exposes a little ankle. I, you know, it's a little risque, I'll admit. Um, but the, the, the slight ankle um, uh, on display has earned me the new title of Fashion Boy. Because, you know what? Look, it's a choice, sure. So, uh, um, yeah, proud Fashion Boy. I don't know, maybe Fashion Boy is like... I don't know, maybe he's somebody else. Maybe it's like, <laughs> that's my version of Agent M. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> you got to change your, your Twitter name to Fashion Boy now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you've got some comedy background, right? Yeah, you did yeah. Did some UCB stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Love it was just an absolute theater rat at the Ups Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in in New York here um, during college, and uh, yeah, love that kind of stuff. Love it. Yeah, so yeah. it's great. Um, you're going to be helping out with a lot of the content that we put on the site, yeah. being on the podcast, and who knows what else? I mean, who knows? So many things that we're doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, for those of you wondering where Mr. Morse is, because we did say he was going to be back this week, he is uh, swamped 
He's, he's back two days this week, today being one of them, the day we're recording, and he is working on a big project right now, but he will be on later in the show. We're going to have a nice little uh, fun segment uh, for the news and the other things with Tucker, myself, Ben here in New York, as well as uh, Christine, Strami, and our other new member of the team, Eric Goldman, who joins us from IGN, taking over for Strami for uh, just a little bit of a, we'll do our news and get to know you and say goodbye to Strami and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So big that, family meeting. Yeah. It's yeah. A, oh, we need like meatballs and <laughs> some sauce. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm hungry. Um, all right. So what, what else has happened this week? I'm trying to think. Um, there was a cool premiere for Marvel's The Defenders on Netflix. Uh, some of the cast came out. Some of our Marvel Unlimited Plus members here in New York City got to go. So if you're not a uh, member of Plus, it's always a cool thing if you can awesome. sign up. And Raph AB, I know you're listening from France, and I'm sorry. All of our programs are not available internationally. Uh, I talk to people about that all the time. It's something I always bring up. So I am thinking of you. If or when any of that stuff expands, we'll let you all know. Um, gosh, uh, the Ant-Man started production. Oh, yeah. Uh, that so stuff, exciting. which was great. We'll talk about that more in news, but just all the stuff that I see for Ant-Man. Ooh, there was some cool stuff I saw from Infinity War uh, uh, this week. Uh, just man. just some stuff. Just so listeners know, you know, I, I'm in the same boat as you guys. <laughs> I'm here just, like, looking at Ryan's face, just so jealous. Of the mustache and my beautiful face? Yes, that's a given. <laughs> that you know that that's just that that's what happens every day when I come to the office. Yep. But more specifically, yep. with the hashtag secrets. Oh yes, yes indeed. Look, I, I didn't, I don't see, I haven't seen you tweet, uh, but I know Eric Goldman first tweet from being yeah. excited about Mar coming to Marvel. He used secrets with the correct number Ooh, of E's, e's yeah. which is four if you're <laughs> keeping score. Uh, but that's enough of that nonsense. For those who are new, and if you've lasted this long, we're going to get right into the meat of things. We're going to talk about the new comics coming out this week, the print, the digital, collection, single issues, all that stuff. We'll go to the news and that big family gathering section. Then we'll come back. Tucker and I are going to go through your questions and comments. Uh, because we've been doing questions and comments regularly the last couple of weeks. We don't have as many, which is okay. Um, we've been sort of going through them very quickly. Uh, but we will be getting back to TWIM URC real soon, yes. uh, which is exciting. Um, you're putting together a list of TWIM URC to put on the website, yep. right, Tucker? Yep. So that way, for anybody who wants to go back and check out any of the old unlimited Marvel Unlimited Reading Clubs that we've done, We'll have that resource for you, uh, which I think is important. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. So let's dive into new books this week. Uh, actually, you're up first. Let's do it. We start with all new Guardians of the Galaxy. It's Jerry. It's uh, Greg Smallwood. It's uh, the lettering is by Corey Petit. What do you mean it's? Maybe tell the, the listeners like who these people are, what their full names are. All right, and what they let do. me stretch out a little bit here. You know, get my uh, muscles back. Uh, written by uh, Jerry Duggan. Artist, Greg Smallwood. Lettering is by Corey Petit. Uh, uh, the cover is by Aaron Cooter and Eve Sforcina. And it's a Drax issue. Yeah. Really awesome. So we start out uh, uh, on the Milano. We have Drax and Gamora. They're talking. They're meditating. They're well, kind of in the gym. I love the, the scene. Well, first, 
this is one of the um, so you just came back you're getting back in the swing of things but this yes. is one of the issues uh, it's kind of like every other issue Aaron Cooter who is the cover artist here Aaron is sort of the the regular artist mm -hmm. and there's this they're bringing in someone else to tell these sort of side stories yeah. to the main yeah and it's a we have such a great roster so bringing Greg Smallwood who had this incredible run on Moon Knight just his take on these characters there's this the, the hue mm -hmm. to the yeah. art is so, so beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. uh, and then, like you're saying, they're just hanging out in this meditation area of the Milano, mm -hmm. and Drax has got his cool like robe on. But I love Gamora's in just like yeah. oh, she's a workout clothes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just great. like yoga wear. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they're talking. They're you know Drax is kind of uh, you know we're learning a little bit about. Uh, some pieces of story via flashback about uh, uh, where these characters are now, how they've been influenced by recent events since leaving Earth. And we get this flashback uh, of Drax, uh, who went hunting, uh, uh, but when he arrived on some random crazy planet, uh, he discovered that all of the aliens he was meant to be hunting had already been slaughtered. And there was, uh, so naturally, Drax doesn't really love that. He doesn't like poachers. He doesn't uh, like poachers, which uh, makes me love this characterization of Drax even yeah. more. Because I will, I want to stab poachers in their necks. Oh, yeah. Like, and that makes me so angry. Yeah, I mean, you and Drax relate in, in that way. Yeah. Um, and so this other species of aliens shows up, led by King Lossing, who is a crazy-looking dude. Uh, and uh, he requ he demands to Drax, he says, what is your name? Who are you? And Drax naturally replies, I am Peter Quill. <laughs> because he didn't want to scare them off from a fight yeah. if they actually already knew who Drax the Destroyer was. He ends up just going on an absolute rampage, takes out all of them. Meanwhile, uh, th that crew had uh, a bunch of slaves with them. And yeah. all, all the while, they're kind of begging Drax to stop. Like begging peace, him for peace, peace, peace. So the, the thing that is, is really interesting, it's like Drax is, he's here for one purpose. He finds that these poachers are doing this, and he hates that. So mm -hmm. he goes after him. Then he finds out that they're also slavers. And right. so it's like all the things that Drax is, you know, really pissed off about, he wants to deal with that. But the, you've got that, plus then you layer in... This is what Jerry does so well. He layers in those like important character and um, like emotionally driven moments mm, totally. of like what drives Drax to be so you know to do these things, and then you add in the the humor so well. Yeah, friggin' love Jerry. Yeah, he's he's so he's good. He's the man. Yeah. So all the so all the while as Drax is kind of slaughtering this crew of 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 slave owners. The slaves themselves are begging him to stop, yeah. and he doesn't understand. He kind of tells them, I'm, I'm freeing you. I don't, why are you telling me to stop? He ends up uh, uh, killing the king, chopping his head right off. I, let's not spoil everything. And something kind of kind of nuts happens, and, yeah. I think, and, it, and it turns out to be a big lesson for Drax. Uh, we, and then we cut back to the Milano. Where, uh, but before you, so the big lesson is really like the the thing that that is awesome about this issue is it, the question of why is Drax being a pacifist mm -hmm. in this run of the like in these last seven issues, six issues, whatever it is, why is he not like why is he trying to abstain from violence so much? Mm -hmm. This is the issue that answers the question, and it's such a 
a layered, beautiful yeah. story yeah. of like it wasn't exact. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. Totally. Um, I, I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah, and and it it totally holds the weight of 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 all these previous issues where that question has been hanging over his head. Um, and then we get a brief glimpse into the Soul Stone. Yeah. I so it is. yeah. So this touches into Gamora's story. Yeah. And we had her one-off issue a couple issues back where it was drawn by Fraser Irving, who is uh, just a amazing genius um and she's talking about the soul stone and something that i was thinking about back then is so it sort of flashes back to when gamora was in the soul stone with adam warlock Mm -hmm. uh pip the troll um there's the there's the crazy dude who looks like a a, i don't know like a tiki god uh (laughs) who ben always knows the name of and i i I can't remember but drax was in there too Mm mm-hmm and so the thing that I've been thinking about is we've had this story about Gamora and her sort of part of her is still in the Soul Stone. She's trying to figure out how to become whole. Mm-hmm. And it touches on the Drax of it all here. And it was great. Yeah. Plus, there is a very – there's a there's shots in here that make me want to rewatch Lost Boys <laughs> right now, which is the 30th anniversary. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, 30th anniversary was like this week or oh, last wow. week. Wow. Have you ever seen Lost Boys? No, I haven't. I was just going to curse a whole lot. I can't. Am what I, is even happening? Am I fired three on day three? I feel like I should. Oh, man. We gotta, oh, let's move on. We got to bring this up to Eric <laughs> as well, because Eric is a huge really? Lost Boys fan. Okay. Yeah. Lost we Boys gotta. is the best. That's your homework. All right. You're going to have to watch Lost Boys. Right. It's It might be free through Voodoo. V-U-D. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It might be free to watch on Voodoo. Okay. It's terrific. All right. Maybe my favorite vampire movie. Okay. Anyway, awesome. it has a great soundtrack. You're going to be like, I'm going to listen to the soundtrack all day long. All right. I do that. Yeah. Great. All right. Uh, next up is my first pick, which is Avengers number 10, written by Mark Wade, art by Mike Del Mundo, with colors also by Marco D'Alfonso. So this is an Avengers story about the Hydra Avengers. I don't know if there's a, there's not any different, you know, nomenclature for them, but mm-hmm. they are Hydra Caps or Stevel's version of the <laughs> Avengers, um, which is Superior Octopus in the leader role, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Vision, who is a reprogrammed, you know, version who is not in his right robot mind, Scarlet Witch, who her body is being controlled by Khthan, the crazy demon you know god thing uh deadpool who's deadpool taskmaster who is obviously in it for the money mm-hmm. uh odinson who is just drinking his life away and regretting <laughs> all his life choices and then black ant who is the evil um evil ish uh eh, pretty evil uh size changing ant-man ish guy uh, but it opens up with smooching you've got uh vision and scarlet witch making out and then there's definitely allusions to them getting to the bone zone and uh, it's great it was like Scarlet Witch is uh, <laughs> being in the back of the ship and they were you know investigating some stuff and she's like I was right there seemed to be a bit of vibration in the engines <laughs> and it was just like yeah get some girl All right. uh, get, not even just get some girl but get some girl who is actually also a demonic entity who is getting to the bone zone with the woman's ex-husband who is also a robot man. I love it. I love it. There's so many layers of weird here. It's fantastic. Uh, but what's cool is like seeing 
what's going on with the vision because we don't have the vision book right now, but we have these looks into the horrifying state that vision is stuck in right now. Yeah. There's this really heartbreaking uh, couple of panels of what's going on with him and it's great art as usual by Mike Del Mundo. Uh, shout out to Del Mundo for just drawing a great scene of uh, Superior Octopus flying the Quinjet or whatever they have uh, and he's using one of his arms to give him, you know, to drink some coffee out of a yeah. Hydra mug yeah. and, or tea or whatever it is. It's just, it's a simple thing but it's so good. Yeah, totally. uh, Mark Wade writes a wonderfully, amazingly annoying Deadpool throughout this. But the team is going to investigate uh, this area um, that is sort of a base for the dome that surrounds the planet. There's the dome surrounding the planet that's keeping the Chitari out, but keeping everything out and everything in mm -hmm. on Earth. So no one can escape. It's this crazy master plan that Stevel has. And... Uh, there's some explosions, some problems going on in this one area that could affect the fidelity of the dome. So the Avengers are going to make sure that nothing can take down the dome because that would present a large problem. And then lo and behold, there are these giant crazy looking aliens there. Um, and my wife read this issue this week and she she was like, these people are the worst. <laughs> she was like, these Avengers, this Hydra thing. Yeah, she was yeah, yeah. so angry at yeah. the characters, which yeah. is perfect. It's exactly what you want. Because they make some really horrendous decisions, specifically Taskmaster. Uh, there's great fighting, and these aliens are, you know, doing all this stuff. But Taskmaster has this moment where what I've always loved about Taskmaster is he's really in it for the money. He's a merc, yeah. you know, like, yeah, he'll, he'll sort of, he's generally a bad guy, but he's bad guy because there's a lot of money there yeah. um, but this one just is just despicable there's some moments in here I was like this effing guy he is such a scumbag uh, and it turned into just awesome battle stuff crazy colors beautiful beautiful art uh, uh, just a, a really great action story in the midst of telling this tale of characters who Man, you just wanna you just wanna rip all their teeth out and just make them eat them, oh, right? Oh. That seems like a bad thing to That's do to someone. Creative. Yeah. Uh, there's also a really cool bit of business by the end with Superior Octopus and Black Ant, which, man, so many fun things going on. Awesome. You're up next. Let's do it. We. I. My next pick is Darth Vader. It's part four. Uh, written by Charles Sewell. Uh, Part four of the chosen one, or the whatever the storyline, because story it's issue number, right. issue number four, four, but of this first storyline. That's right. Uh, uh, written by Charles Sewell, uh, uh, pencils by Giuseppe Camicoli, uh, cover by Giuseppe and uh, Francesco Mattina, uh, and we jump straight in. Vader has just been defeated by Master Kirak Infala, uh, a, a Jedi that escaped the Purge, uh, made it out uh, after uh, um, the Great Jedi Purge on Coruscant, uh, and when we find Vader just in a heap. He's missing a leg. Uh, he's all messed up even more than he already is. Uh, he got housed. He, he was 
destroyed. Which and is, have you read the first three issues of this? It's okay if you haven't. No, you, I haven't. Yeah, you just came back. Yeah. The first three issues, because this is really interesting. This is days, probably, maybe weeks after Vader becomes Vader, Vader right. where he, you know, the he gets all the surgeries mm-hmm. and the new implants and mm-hmm. the cybernetics and everything. So he is like baby Vader in a sense right. in that he's not he's not at full power he mm-hmm. doesn't have a lightsaber mm-hmm. he's just getting a, a firmer grasp on all his anger and his experience and so this other Jedi who has spent years yeah. is kind of a Jedi he's like this cool other character like this dude who sort of eschewed all the proper yeah. a things. kind of a Ronin yeah Jedi. yeah that's yeah. a really good yeah. uh, description of him he he's so powerful he just just went to town on Vader. It's yeah. so good. And, and uh, he, uh, this, um, uh, the master in Fala, ends up, uh, after just destroying Vader, he ends up going uh, and finding uh, this mother-daughter duo who are keeping, essentially, his starfighter in their garage. Uh, and it needs to be fixed up, and he says, I gotta get off this planet ASAP. Uh, meanwhile, Vader, uh, so awesome. He takes a droid. He takes a droid leg, attaches it to himself, kind of pulls himself out of the muck, and you know he's looking for some revenge. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Infila is uh, trying to get his starfighter uh, off the ground, essentially. And guess who shows up? Dun dun dun. That's right. Uh, and we just get this sick action sequence this amazing battle some really really great art super dynamic dynamic stuff there's a really great scene where some of the kind of local uh security forces show up uh and try and put a stop to the fight that's actually taking place on this dam that's kind of uh you know uh, supplying the city with water uh and protecting it at the same time uh, uh, Vader attempts to toss the security uh, uh, or force push the security forces off the dam um, in Fala. F- force grabs them and holds them up, puts them to safety um, uh, uh, and Vader just kind of becomes in this moment the guy we, that uh, we know him to be. He uh, starts destroying the dam from on top of the dam, the water starts to kind of uh, overflow the city. He steals Infala's lightsaber, uh, force chokes him, holding him off the uh, off the edge of the dam, uh, which then explodes, flooding the entire city. He kills Infala, and that's where we're left off with Vader leaving this just uh, dis- utter destruction in his wake. So here's the thing I've got to say. This is, seems to be like Jedi's who were Jedi. Mm-hmm. Is it? There's that debate online of is there an S at the end? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, Jedi, they mess up people. They mess up Anakin, and they yeah. just leave him. Yeah. They're like, you know what? That's a good. Point. At the end of Episode Three, uh, what's his face? Obi Wan. Yeah. It's like. You were my brother. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah. supposed to be something. Blah blah blah. And he's cut off his friend's like yeah, limbs, yeah, and he just leaves no him there. No coup de gras. Uh, like, put, like that's cruel. Yeah. Also I mean, yeah. irresponsible. 
if you have this very powerful person, yeah. maybe there, you should you, end you know, the fight. He's not coming back now. He's definitely bad at this point. Yeah. He's done a lot of... He killed younglings, okay? Yeah. There's no saving this dude. No. He's only going to get worse. Yeah. He's only going to want revenge. So Obi-Wan made this mistake. Come on. Then this Infala made this mistake. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, bleh, you're out. Bleh, bleh. He goes, grabs a Steve Weiser, and you know, yeah, he's yeah. like, he's having a great time. But like, guys, kill somebody. They just, they, it's like, you, you haven't killed the devil. Yeah. The devil's gonna come back for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the end of it. And uh, you know, Infala learned that lesson in a big way in yep. this issue, yeah. and it was epic. Awesome. All right, next book is Black Bolt number four, written by Saladin Ahmed. Cover uh, cover art and interior art by Christian Ward and letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, look, this book, every issue, is a treasure. It's mm. so good. Learning like this story, this is like the bro down between Black Bolt and Absorbing Man. Most of this issue is just them talking to each other and telling, you know, some stories. I would have taken. A hundred pages of this to have Absorbing Man, who is this guy who came from nothing. Like, we get his origin in here, which is great. There's pieces of it that I didn't know about. You get his origin coming from nothing to being this badass supervillain who can go toe-to-toe with Thor. And then him talking to Black Bolt, who is royalty from this super powerful you know, alien, human, hybrid, whatever it is, race. And they are, like, bonding in certain ways. But we get so much of it is, is, as I said, talking of them about various different things uh, because they're about to be killed. The jailer that has been (laughs) already been killing them and bringing them back to death is trying to take the oxygen out of where they're being trapped and has taken their powers away. It's, this is, they, what else are they going to do but talk? And it is so friggin' great. Art is so beautiful. It is laid out in amazing ways. There's, you know, the pages that need to have really interesting structures for, you know, nine panel grids, those happen. But then you also have the pages that have numerous panels and different orientations with background art and sound effects that are layered into it, top to bottom. It's amazing. Seeing Absorbing Man's background in here, you get the Crusher Creel him as a boxer, him as a leg breaker. Um, there's <laughs> this great thing where he's talking about, he, yeah, he you know, he learned to fix cars from his dad. He learned this and that. Um, uh, he, he's thinking about driving, and then there's this great sequence and Observe Man goes, um, uh, he, he's telling Black Bull a little bit of a story and using an analogy of, it's like the way he felt becoming a criminal was like, driving on ice and the brakes aren't working mm. and black bolt's like uh and observer man goes you don't drive do you <laughs> black bolt says we have flying vehicles yeah. Absorbing man says must be nice what do you do if you're flying vehicles in the shop black bolt says i often travel with my teleporting dog <laughs> Absorbing man just you know what forget i asked <laughs> it's it, it's so good and then the facial expressions and then you flip the page and then there's this these two pages, nine panel grids again, but the art then starts bleeding across all the pages. It's telling Crusher Creel going into jail and getting his superpowers um, through Loki, fighting Thor, 
using Christian Ward uses Loki's horns around the pages. You get to see some of the things that Absorbing Man has been through, him turning into helium and floating as a, you know, a sentient gas and how messed up that was. And then he's telling all these stories, blah, 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 what he's doing, all the people he's met, the, the battles he's had. And then he talks about Titania and this amazing splash page that I, I think Seldon put it on Twitter a couple weeks back, uh, but you gotta see it on the page of Absorber Man just talking about falling in love with this incredibly powerful woman. Uh, he's like, ah, oh, you should have seen her, Wishbone. He also calls Black Bolt Wishbone. Fantastic yeah, nickname. Yeah. It's like, oh, you should have seen her, Wishbone. New to tussling, but knocking goody-goody bozos out left and right. The moment I saw her, I knew this was the kind of dame you meet once in a lifetime. It's just her kicking Iron Man or kicking She-Hulk in the face, holding Iron Man and Wolverine around their necks. There's like hearts and stars and it's so good. It is beautiful and fantastic. And talk about their love, which then allows him to relate to Black Bolt in this new way. Black Bolt's talking about Medusa. It's just, it's really beautiful, really, really like heartwarming and funny. And then you get a big splash page of a character that you were hoping for the whole time. And this moment that is so wonderful, so big, so happy, ends on a very, like, wait, what just happened note? Uh, this is, every time, this is becoming the new, one of those books where I don't know what I can do, but pick it for one of, yeah. to give it one of my picks yeah. every time it comes out. Because it is damn near perfect blend of art and story and character. Awesome. So good. Next up, we got... Bring the energy, Tuck. Next up, <laughs> we have Generations. Uh, the strongest, number one, totally awesome Hulk and Banner Hulk. It's written by Greg Hawk, uh, art by Matteo Bufagni, uh, lettering done by Cord Petit, cover artist uh, Jorge Molina. And uh, it's, it's, it's such a great... Um, Kind of jumping off point here for generations with uh, the Hulks. Uh, we get Amadeus kind of crash landing into some desert. We don't know where he is, uh, uh, right in the middle of the first page. And then one little bullet, dink, just hits him in the back of the head. He realizes that he's pro he's in uh, Death Valley. There's like an army, uh, a U.S. Army, led by Thunderbolt. Ross uh, coming after him right away uh, uh, and uh, it turns out he jumped straight into a, a, a battle a classic Hulk battle between the US Army and uh, Bruce Banner's Hulk uh, there's just some really fun uh, awesome fighting where it's the Hulks against the army it's the army against Amadeus the army against Banner's Hulk it's the Hulks against each other um, they're trying to get out, they're trying to get away the whole time. Uh, at the same time, Amadeus obviously is trying to keep something of a hold on uh, Banner's Hulk and trying to keep him from just killing everyone outright. They end up escaping, uh, they kind of get to the, the coast of the Pacific Ocean, and they finally kind of have a moment to have a breath. Uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce kind of de-hulks, he hulks in instead of hulking out and he gets back to normal and they kind of have this really interesting great um 
conversation. It, it, it's so awesome because it teases at this catharsis uh, between these two characters that share so much, share such a complicated life. Um, but it, it doesn't quite get there, and it's it's kind of it's tricky. Uh, and Amadeus is holding a lot back from this conversation, uh, and Banner's obviously dealing, you know, uh, talking about his uh, story difficulties with the green guy. Uh, they end up kind of making their way uh, uh, to a little town where they continue to have these conversations and kind of get into this really great philosophical discussion about what the Hulk means for both for both of them, uh, how it how they can um, either uh, uh, continue to fight it or how they can um, recognize the good in it, recognize the positive power in it. Uh, and uh, they come to, you know, an inconclusive ending. Um, again, it's that, that similar theme of, um, you know, kind of touching on such a sensitive and such a big topic for both of them, but not really reaching that point of, of, um, of catharsis or realization. They can't. It's, it's yeah. too big to, to reach in that short of time, which I think Completely. is an important point yeah uh, and and uh, meanwhile out of nowhere this giant huge hundred foot tall sea beast shows up starts destroying this town uh, uh, the army shows back up and starts attacking the sea beast the people of the town are are kind of underneath the the, the feet of everything Amadeus and Banner both uh, uh, hulk up and uh, try to take down the sea beast uh, again, it's just this awesome action where now, before it was just the army and the two hulks, and now it's the army and the two hulks and this giant hundred foot tall ocean monster, uh, and it's so cool. Uh, again, Amadeus kind of needs to, with his fists, calm the other Hulk down a little bit, or at least punch him like a half mile away so he can do less damage. Uh, and uh, in, in the end, um, uh, again, it's uh, Banner comes down, uh, uh, and uh, Amadeus and, and he kind of have the, this last little coda of their conversation where, um, you know, we definitely recognize that uh, the, the, the philosophical connotations of, of everything they're going through and, and, and how suddenly there's this counterpart that that knows everything the other's going through and yet doesn't at the same time because of their specific situations um uh, and it and it's kind of a uh, uh again such a satisf such a satisfyingly unsatisfying ending it just leaves you wanting more it leaves you wanting more of that discussion uh which really is it's really powerful and and uh and kind of wraps up the issue in such a great way. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed, really enjoyed this issue. Great, great. My third pick is the hardest pick ever. This is Unstoppable Wasp number eight, the final issue yep. of the series, written by Jeremy Whitley, art by Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, colors by Megan Wilson, letters by Joe Carmagna. I say it's the hardest because this is maybe my favorite book we've published in the last long time and I've loved a lot of books this Unstoppable Wasp every time an issue came out was so special um, and this I didn't realize this was the last issue as I was getting into it mm -hmm. I was reading it and it felt like wow they're really putting a lot of you know 
dotting some I's, crossing yeah. some T's, getting some stuff put where they need to put it. Um, but it opens up in um, Janet Van Dyne's home, and <laughs> she's been taking care of Nadia and Ying, uh, these two teenage girls who have been through so much, and she's, you know, trying to help them live life, and it's just sweet and funny, and the narration is all from from Janet's perspective, but we're going through uh, a big day for Janet and the girls as they're dealing with a bunch of stuff. First step for them is Janet is, takes them to uh, a temporary superhuman holding facility to talk to two women that Nadia had some dealings with, uh, Pound Cakes and Letha, the two women who Nadia beat the crap out of <laughs> Uh, a couple of issues ago, and it's great. It's a really sweet scene where Nadia's like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't want to hurt you. This is what happened. You were doing these bad things. Will you forgive me? And Pound is like, of course I forgive you. Never want to do this kind of work, but you know, this is just, this is what we've got. And of course, Janet Van Dyne's like, boom, I got this. She comes up with a plan to help them rehabilitate themselves, uh, give them an opportunity to be security for mm-hmm. Pim Labs amazing thing that gives them a legitimate job full pay and also in one of my favorite things lets them also do their wrestling on the side because they are <laughs> pro wrestlers so you get they get to have the best of both, wor- both worlds and do not need to be villains anymore i love that idea yeah. boom then they go to pim uh pim laboratories and janet has a surprise for nadia she has this old computer with this file on it um which is uh, a video of hank talking to the future. He's just talking to the future, talking about his experiments and all this stuff, um, which kind of connects to the... try For Nadia to try to prove that she is Hank Pym's daughter through DNA and all this other stuff. But in, the, in, in all this, it allows Nadia to see her mother, who she's never seen before. Nadia's had this whole horrible uh, childhood, then she somehow stayed so positive... But she's had this notion of her father and her mother in her head all these years. She gets to see her mother, and it's just this, such a sweet scene. And you think, like, where else can they go? Boom! Then we get the return of all the uh, the girl characters, the, uh, the the women, the young women that Nadia has been recruiting. Uh, we've got Shay Smith, um, uh, Priya, Taina, Alexis. I think that's... Is that all of them? Yeah, along with Ying and Nadia. Um, they're all gathered together because Janet has more for them. She has created a section of Pim Labs for them to do their work. To the, the whole thing that Nadia was trying to put together, Janet is helping her reach that. She's trying to put in place this amazing lab and, and situation that is going to let her do all the cool stuff that she wants to do. The experiments, space to work, space to live, space to be themselves. Um, and she does that. And <laughs> the best part is she's like, I've got a lab mentor, lab mentor for you. And Nadia's like, what? Who would sign on to be part of this program they've never heard of? Are they crazy? Whatever. What's going on here? And then, boom, it's a return of another character who's been an integral into this. There's giant hugs. There's excitement. There's yelling. There's happiness. No, it doesn't end there. Then Janet takes them all the girls on another trip to uh, get ready because they're going to have a big old party, a big old dance, and lets them wants them to be able to design their looks however they want. So it's just fun stuff. All the layers of Janet Van Dyne, uh, Jeremy Whitley. Like when this uh, this series started, I thought this was all about Nadia, and then mm-hmm. it's blossomed into this story that is all about Nadia, but is also all about 
Janet and the Wasp and like this legacy and this beautiful relationship and it's it is perfect. It is perfect comic books. Um, and we get to have this really heartbreaking thing that happens to Nadia in the story. I don't want to spoil it, but it leads to these beautiful two pages of Nadia and Janet talking and it relates to just all their history and life and it's you know it's some of it feels a little meta and some of it feels like catharsis it's it's beautiful writing it is fantastic it is wonderfully drawn uh, and ultimately we get dancing we get flirting we get talking and finally by the end of the series by the end of the the issue there's this we get to the crux of what we've been trying to get to for a while which is Nadia becoming and you know proving that she is Hank Pym's daughter thus proving that she should be an American citizen because of his American citizenship and yada 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 all this stuff um, and I I was welling up with tears with with something that Nadia chooses to do and say within the context of the story I'm trying to be a little bit vague because I really want all you listeners to read this book um, it it affected me it was really a, an emotional moving thing and the last page is it's great I want so I, w- I would I am devastated that this book is over yeah. um, it's the it's unfortunately it's the nature of business and stuff but as uh, editor on the book Alana Smith I think it's Alana who edits the, who's one of the yeah Alana um, she was tweeting about how we got to eight issues of a series starring a teenage hero of brand new character um, it's it's a tough market to get three, four, five. We got eight, and it's a fully formed story, arcs for characters. It introduced tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. It brought us so much, and I am thankful we got eight issues. I wish we got more, um, but there will be more Nadia. She's in many other books. She's in, I think she's, you see her in Champions or Avengers, and who knows what else. I hope we get more Janet, but this is this. I, I loved Vision. I think I like. I think Unstoppable Wasp is above Vision for me in wow. terms of just like things that I purely love from comic books. So, um, if you haven't read it, the first issue or two should be on um, Marvel Unlimited. I think so. Um, if not, they'll be there soon. But you know, hopefully, you guys. The, the books that we really, really get excited about, you give them a chance, check them out, because um, this is, it's perfect comic books. Yeah. Kudos to Jeremy, uh, Elsa, uh, who did much of the art on the series, the, the you know, rest of the artists, um, uh, Roe and Ted, and everybody who worked on this book, it was masterful. I sent Jeremy some notes, I was just like, thank you for doing this book. Yeah. You know, like offline, send him a I rolled up into his DMs and said thank you, and I'm so sad that this is over, but thank you. Yeah, I've been seeing like non-comic book people who read comics just tweeting about it, yeah, and talking about how good it is, yeah. how good the the the, the whole uh, series has been. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, yeah. For me, it was perfect. Awesome. And that's that. All right, on to the rest of the books for the week. We've got Champions number eleven, written by Mark Wade, uh, art by Umberto Ramos. Inks by Victor Olazaba, colors by Edgar Delgato, and this is this story takes actually takes place a little bit in the past. It takes place during Secret Empire number two, so I think 
coming out next week is like seven or eight. So this is a couple. Um, this takes place a little bit in the past, during the uh, right after the events of the Las Vegas obliteration, as the champions go to just try to rescue people, try to help people, and it is heartbreaking. There's two issues that made my wife come out and be like, <laughs> she was angry, and it was the Avengers because you see the villains, yeah, and then champions because you see the heroes dealing with what the villains have done, right? And it's it is. This is a heavy-ass issue. It is really, really good. Um, awesome. Oy, oy, oy. All right, we've got Hawkeye number 9, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero, colors by Jordi Belair. Uh, again, this is another book that I put up in that, for me, personally, my upper echelon of books. This is, in any other week, this would have been one of my picks because it is so funny, so smart, so well-told as a, as a storyline. Art is beautiful. Um... It's, you know, if you love Chris Somne's art, then I hope you're checking out everything that Leonardo Romero does because he has his own style, but it has that similar vibe, especially when you add Jordy's colors to it. It gives it a modern classic look, and it's such great comic books. Uh, Kate is, she's in this sort of fight club. She's trying to do everything on her own, but she thankfully gets by with the help of her friends. We get a little bit more about her dad in here, uh, but... There's a mysterious bit of business at the end. It's so good. I love, love, love Hawkeye. Uh, we've got Iron Fist number six, written by Ed Brisson, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Andy Troy. So uh, Iron Fist has beaten all the masters of uh, Liu Ti, I believe, uh, Liu Ti, and um, he is now trying to go back home, figure out uh, Liu Shi. Sorry. Uh, beating all the masters of Lushi. He's got his mojo back, his key, uh, his chi. Is it, it's key in Dragon Ball, right? And chi here. Here. Uh, yeah, in, uh, in on comics Earth. on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watch, a, I, play, I play like a Dragon Ball mobile game, so I, the key is always, it's in my head. Um, anyway, uh, you got Iron Fist, and he's trying to get back home, figure out, all right, what's the next steps? I got to go back to, uh, Kanlan and go blah 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 but his plane gets messed up he goes to you know sort of save people and he finds himself up against a whole bunch of like these crazy people who are seemingly possessed just saying kill him kill Daniel Rand uh, because they are under the thrall of like this uh, telepath messed up thing uh, this, this creature I was not a creature is like the the silence or the seer, uh, I should say, um, and the his like thralls are called the sight. So it's a really cool idea. Again, more stuff that Ed and Mike have been putting together and like creating in the Iron Fist world in the Marvel universe. Uh, and awesome bit of guest starring, Shang Chi shows up to come and and help. You know, throw some kung fu down and. Uh, Big twist by the end. I love this book. It's so fun. Lots of punching and, and awesomeness. All right, we've got Jessica Jones, number 11. Remember, this is not for kids. Parental advisory. There's lots of cursing <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Uh, extreme violence. But Jessica Jones, number 11, written by Brian Michael ba uh, Bendis, art by Michael Gatos and Javier Polito, with colors by Matt Hollingsworth and Polito. The Javier Polito thing was a great surprise in this because we haven't seen a bunch of his art lately. But Jessica Jones, um, 
in the pre- previous issue had gone to see Maria Hill's dad, uh, who Maria Hill has not seen in 15 years or more. And Jessica ended up getting punched and thrown through a window. And basically, we find out what happened and why all that trans went down. Um, she got she actually tracked down a file on Maria Hill, which leads us to a cool flashback, an old school style story drawn by Javier Pulido that tells a really like young uh, Maria Hill mission where she was going to rescue some people from Hydra. Some things went wrong. It's really cool stuff. It's beautiful. Javier is just like, look at this, this flash. It's so good. More, 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 please. Um, but some big stuff that is in Maria Hill's past ends up causing someone to get shot potentially by the end of the, the issue. All right, we've got Marvel Universe Avengers Ultron Revolution and um, I guess, yep, Marvel Universe Avengers Ultron Revolution, uh, which adapts the Captain Marvel stories. That was a story from the cartoon, which was originally written by Rick Williams and Jenna McGrath, directed by Tim Eldred, and is adapted for the page by Joe Caramagna. So really cool adaptation showing how Captain Marvel gets involved in that series. Then we've got Marvel Studios' Thor Ragnarok Prelude. Um, this is issue number three of four, uh, adapted by Will Corona Pilgrim, um, with art by J.L. Giles and J. David Ramos, telling events from uh, Thor The Dark World, pretty much. Um, a bunch of stuff that happened in there. And yeah, it leaves us probably about halfway through The Dark World. Next up, I have Nick Fury, number five, written by James Robinson, uh, art by ACO and Hugo Petrus, uh, letters by Travis Lanham, uh, and it is, it, this is such a cinematic uh, comic and s- style, I really love everything from the opening credits through to the name of the issue, uh, essentially what's going on here, Nick is trying to take some time off. Some well-earned vacation time. Oh, PTO. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what's PTO? Paid time off. Oh. Uh, well, you know, I'm on day three. I have no idea what that even means. Uh, you probably have one day of PTO <laughs> accrued. <laughs> uh, it is just, uh, but very quickly, Nick finds out that this quaint little town that he's gone to take some time off in is not exactly what it seems. It's actually uh, uh, a town full of assassins in training, uh, all of whom obviously uh, have uh, their sights set on Nick Fury. And he just, he goes into a diner and has this awesome, epic, super graphic, in, in terms of art, uh, fight, which is so fun to read. Uh, he goes to the barber shop. Same thing happens. He ends up in a restaurant and he fights a guy with a a, a swordfish, like a, a stuffed swordfish that was on the wall, which I thought was uh, such a fun and awesome detail. Yeah. This series is uh, every issue has been similar to this. There's a great note in you're looking at one of the two page spreads. Yeah, there's a great note that says get two copies of this and put the two two page spreads together because they connect to a giant four page spread. Yeah, it is so great. Yeah, so fun. Uh, really good colors in here. Everything. Uh, Nick uh, essentially uh, fights his way through the entire town. Uh, you know. Yeah. Very quickly realizing that this was not PTO. It's 
PT. It's just oh, another mission. PT, another, another kind of PTO. It's P, paid time on. Ooh, look at you. Which also is just also known as work. Yeah, it's just work. It's <laughs> yeah. a regular day outside the office. It's great to be on PTO here on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I Reading this in particular, that issue, is just reminding me, like, I wish this was a television show yeah. or, oh, yeah. or, like, an animated, like, series. Like, you could take Absolutely. this single issue... Boom, there's your 22 minutes, 44 minutes, whatever it is, good. Every issue of this series could be its own standalone thing. It is so great. Also so great, Spider-Man number 19, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Oscar Bazaldua, uh, colors by Jason Keith, and uh, it opens up with The Avenging Avenger, a, a dream that Genki's having. Uh, there's a, Again, this is, you know, Miles is recovering from fighting uh, Hammerhead and dealing with a whole bunch of crap. Uh, so he is trying to get himself back together. There's him recovering and a lot of talk with Genki. And there's a big moment uh, conversationally between Genki and Miles, which it makes a whole lot of sense. There's smart stuff that that Genki kid is telling uh, Miles and Miles, will he heed him or will he not? We'll see another big moment between uh, Miles's parents who have had a little bit of a fracture because of the secrets that have been revealed and that all the things that are going on between them. Secrets. Yes. And then there's uh, hammerhead as he wants revenge against Spider-Man and he is going to almost any length to get it. So what will happen? Who knows? On top of that, gold balls, is missing. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, we've got Spider-Man Deadpool number 20, written by uh, Joshua Corrin, art by Will Robson, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Jordan Boyd. Uh, this wraps up the story with Spider-Man and Deadpool teaming up to try to, with the slapstick story, slapstick is being held by this uh, Cuban gangster and his gang, and I think they're in New Jersey, uh, ties into early early stuff that happened to spider-man uh it's very funny very quirky deadpool gets shot a bunch put through <laughs> windows stabbed uh spider-man does spider-man stuff uh slapstick gets shot doesn't die because he's a living cartoon um but there's it's wacky and it's fun good times awesome next up we have uh, Star Wars Rogue One, number five, which is the ad adaptation, obviously, of the film, written by Jody Hauser, artist Emilio Laiso, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, letters by Clayton Cowles, cover, really cool, Phil Noto, uh, and we pretty we pick up uh, right after the crew, uh, the Rogue One crew, uh, uh, leaves Eadu, uh, and Jin has her dramatic. Uh, meeting with her father Galen. They are leaving there and they're heading to Scarif. Uh, are you a big Star Wars guy? I can't remember. Can you tell? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I mean, because you, you, you're like, you got all the names. There's a, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah. That's okay. I, it's not a. No! <laughs> this I'm, is I'm, me, I'm, this is me saying, uh, this is a tiny yes when it should be, when it, when in reality in my head I'm giving you an all caps. 40 Ys, 40 Es, 40 Ss. Great. Good, uh, good, yes. good. So you know the, the story behind this series, right? This is taken from the script right. that was created, not the actual film. Right. So there are moments in this book yeah. that aren't, uh, which I'm sure you picked yeah, up on. Yeah, that reading, yeah. Yeah, there are moments in this that don't 
show in the film right. especially the, mostly in the beginning I think mostly yep. in the beginning of this yep. issue yep. Uh, some stuff where I was like yeah it's cool there's like these little bits and pieces that made perfect sense but were trimmed from the film mm-hmm. for timing or whatever yeah. but that Jody and the team get to actually put to, put on the page is awesome yeah it, and it, it works so incredibly well uh, in this medium there's some stormtroopers getting punched in the face which I always love just punched through the helmet because um, uh, you gotta imagine then their head goes ding 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 inside right, the helmet there's little birds that fly yeah. around their head yep uh, classic <laughs> Star Wars birds yeah uh, the team infiltrates the uh, the Imperial base on Scarif uh, oh another cool moment that's added into this is go one more page back yeah. uh, is the interactions between um, K2SO. Yeah, K2 and um, the other droid that looks like him. <laughs> yeah. That, like, it's basically how, because, you know, in the movie, you see him, like, pull the the thing out of the, the other droid's head and drop it. Yeah. But there's, here's the bridging scene yeah. of him, like, coercing this other droid into this, it's just funny and cute, and, and I yeah. love seeing it. It's so great. K2, essentially, they're trying to get by. He says, excuse me, may I request your assistance to this other droid? The other droid says, with what? Uh, and and K two says with things very important things important for the glory of the empire which we both serve. <laughs> uh, he's such a and a great undercover agent. Uh, and uh, the fighting on Scarif uh, goes down the uh, uh, the bays and Chirrut stuff. Running from some Imperial walkers, super awesome, super epic, and ends with Admiral Radis on the prevent the profundity showing up. Uh, in space above Scarif, ready for the epic, awesome final space battle mm-hmm. that goes down. Mm-hmm. All right, last new book of the week is X Men Gold number nine, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Ken Lashley, colors by Andrew Crossley and Frank Martin. And uh, this is great. This issue has uh, a lot of lovey dovey romance and drama, classic x-men stuff mm-hmm. also you got a uh, a villain who is tied to a bunch of the characters uh from country wise um in this you've got a bunch of russian characters in here you've got colossus uh colossus joins kitty on a trip to washington she's going to talk in front of uh the senate about mutant rights and, and sanctions and all kinds of other stuff feels very uh real world but not which has always been the case with marvel comics it's you know looking at the world outside our window and telling you stories mm-hmm. that um, are reflections of that you've also got um awkward and fantastic bit of dating business between nightcrawler and um rachel gray uh peter can't you know armor up in here but he still gets in the fight and big moments for kitty and Colossus and Rachel and Kurt and all great stuff, but also the return of a villain at the end of this issue, a classic look, classic villain created in the early 90s, was a huge one for me as a young fan growing up. Uh, we talked to, I talked to writer Mark Guggenheim at Comic-Con about this book and bringing the classic feel back to the X-Men. Yeah. And this is 100% like this is if you are the X-Men fan that was like I want the X-Men you know that Chris Claremont or early 90s feel like this is boom your issue your book right there yeah. it's a whole lot of fun awesome yes alright collections on sale Tucker what you got let's do it uh, we have uh, all new all different Avengers volume 1 
Black Panther Volume 1, A Nation, Nation Under Our Feet. And we have uh, Captain America Steve Rogers Volume 3, Empire Building. Uh, Color Your Own Marvel Masters, uh, which seems awesome. Lockjaw Dog Days. Oh, yeah. Uh, Loki, uh, Journey into Mystery, uh, by, uh, The Omnibus by Kieran Gillen. We have Marvel Masterworks, Savage She-Hulk Volume 1, Marvel Universe by Chris Claremont. There he is. Marvel, uh, or sorry, Monsters Volume 2, Marvel Monster Boosts. Uh, and uh, Thor, Epic Collection, Immortal Flesh. Yes. All right. Uh, we have on sale on the Marvel app this week the books we've talked about, as well as Iron Man and Power Pack 1 through 4 from 2007. Iron Man Annual number 5 from the original run. Kidnapped 1 through 5 from 2008. I I don't remember what that book is. I wish Ben was here because he would be like, yes, it was yeah. this book and written and drawn by these people and this started these characters. Um, but Ben's spidey senses are going off right now at his yeah. desk. Yep. Uh, we've got 12 issues of Marvel Age Fantastic Four, which really great stuff uh, for younger readers, all ages books, anything Marvel Age, definitely check those out. Uh, Marvel Comics Presents 1 through 12 from 2007, Savage She-Hulk 1 through 14 from 1980, and Thor Annuals 5 and 14. The digital collections on sale this week, we've got Captain America Steve Rogers Volume 3 Empire Building, Lockjaw Dog Days, which is just a great compendium of various books that have Lockjaw in them. Um, there's a really great Marvel Comics Presents story from the 80s uh, where Lockjaw helps some uh, helps some homeless people in New York City <laughs> and helps the cops you know, track down this guy and then he helps like get some, some people out of a burning building. It's, it's really it's fun. The best. Yeah. Uh, Savage She-Hulk Masterworks Volume 1, Thor Epic Collection Immortal Flesh, Avengers Masterworks Volume 15, Iron Man Epic Collection The Enemy Within, Thor Masterworks Volumes 7 and 8, and Thor Gods, Gladiators, and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. And uh, for the freshly digitized comics on Marvel Unlimited, we have uh, Avengers number one, Black Panther number 10, Captain America Steve Rogers number 10, Carnage number 16, Civil War 2, The Oath number one, Daredevil number 16, Deadpool number 25, Doctor Strange 16, Doctor Strange and Punisher Magic Bullets Infinite Comic number 6, Enchanted Tiki Room number 4, Extraordinary X-Men number 18, Fury from 1994 uh, number 1, uh, Ghost Rider number 3, Guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, M Marvel's Captain America Civil War number 1, Hulk number 2, Incredible Hulk 12 through 16 from 1999, Infamous Iron Man, number four. Inhumans vs. X-Men, number three. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man vs. The Sinister Six, number seven. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 15. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., numbers uh, 36 through 47. That's from 1989. Prowler, number four. The Punisher, number eight. Slapstick, an infinite comic. That's number four. Solo, number four. Uh, Spider-Man and Deadpool, number one. Number one point M.U., Number the same ooh. that Avengers number one was number one point MU, which is the Mo uh, Monsters Unlimited. Awesome. Or Unleashed. Unleashed. And then we have uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, The Way to Dusty Death, number zero. That's from 1992. Spider-Woman, number 15. Star Wars, number 27. Thanos, number three. Uh, Thunderbolts, 
number nine, Totally Awesome Hulk number 15, and Untold Tales of Spider-Man Strange Encounter number one from 1998. Yes, a lot of comics on everywhere you get your comics this week. Um, so as I mentioned, we're going to throw now to our big Mama Jamma with six of us. Hopefully it's going to work. We'll figure it out. Prepare the meatballs. Yeah. Oh, mm, I'm mm. going to have to have a meatball sandwich if I actually <laughs> eat lunch today. Um, we're going to do that then. And Tucker and I will be right back with your questions and comments. All right, we're back. And uh, as promised, here is the motherload of all talking times i don't know what we're t calling this but i'm here and in new york we have uh editorial director of digital content ben morse with my new buddy assistant editor tucker marcus and on the left coast we have some schmo named mark strom assistant editor christine den uh new to the office editor eric goldman Yay! It's Yay! it's a giant big family, and uh, I just thought it would be nice for all of us to be together one time before Mark becomes an esquire, I think. And <laughs> well, to be fair, there are many opportunities within the next three years that we could have that. But how many times, how many times has the Wolfman been on since he left? That's true. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mark, <laughs> tell the listeners exactly where you're going and uh, and what's going on. I'm leaving. Uh, I'm going to uh, law school off in Minnesota, but uh, luckily for our listeners and for Ryan and Ben and Christine and everyone who has to work with him, uh, Eric Goldman is replacing me as a newer, better, faster, stronger me. <laughs> <laughs> That's yet to be determined. It's but. like a Pokemon that leveled up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Except previous Pokemon left. Like, the previous Pokemon went to, like, Pokemon Heaven. And That's how leveling up in Pokemon happens. You just, you, just, you just disappear. It's the new one. I don't know about these things. <laughs> we own Pokemon, right, Ryan? Yeah, you know me. I love my Charcoalabs <laughs> and Flubbledubs and Smorgasbord. Uh. Um, Strami, what was, what is it, 10 years? How did you join Marvel? What was the beginning of that career like? And uh, what were those first couple years like? <laughs> Fun story. Um, it was kind of accidental. Uh, I applied to uh, Comics Editorial for an internship, and I got rejected by them without <laughs> my knowing it. Um, and our department, well, our department, the department that I'm currently in, the department that we're currently in, uh, was very young, and you, Ryan, were hungry for interns, so the coordinator at that time handed you two resumes, one of which happened to be mine, and um, I happened to luck out and get in and not do a terrible job. So at, for some reason, you guys kept on hiring me and hiring me, and uh, eventually I came on full time. All right, you skipped a whole bunch of stuff. You did two stints with us. <laughs> I did. 
and then one with Marvel Studios, right? Or one with us, one with Marvel Studios, one with us. I, I did one with you guys, and then I was actually looking, this was back in the, what, spring of 08. Uh, and at that time, I was a student at NYU, and I was actually looking to do an internship out in L.A. with a uh, with some type of film studio or production company for the sum- for that summer. Uh, and it was actually you, Ryan, who uh, said, "Oh, we can hook you up with uh, Marvel Studios," um, and you got me an interview. At- in with them, which funnily enough, I had actually uh, interviewed with them back in the fall of 07 and was rejected from them. So the moral of this story is I actually got rejected. This is a true story. I got rejected from Marvel twice for internships <laughs> before I actually got an internship with you guys. Yeah. Uh, Moral of the story is we'll take anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to go with the moral of the story is, you know, keep trying. But (laughs) sure, we can go with that moral. Um, I feel strong every day. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I uh, I interned with you guys once. uh, And then you guys hooked me up with an internship out here on the West Coast with uh, Marvel Studios. Uh, back in what happened during the summer of 2008 with Marvel Studios, Mark? Nothing happened. It was a very uneventful year. <laughs> it was a very, very uneventful summer. Um, we had like two small movies that came out. Um, Iron Man. I don't know if anyone... I always thought that. we should do more with that character in film. I thought so too. Yeah. And, and Incredible Hulk. Those came out while I was out there. Um you know, I, I, I really wish they did more, you yeah. know, and uh, I felt expanded. It was a good story they told in those two movies, but I felt there was potential for a lot more it, beyond There it. was potential for an entire Simac universe, yeah. it felt like. But it but was like... A whole like, decade's worth of stories. A whole yes. decade's worth of stories, but they just never did anything for some reason. Yeah. It was really confusing. I'm sorry I set this up. <laughs> 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 to be fair, I was not going to go with it until Eric goaded yeah. Um And Eric stayed, so great. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I, I interned with Marvel Studios, like I say, back in the day when, you know, we did Iron Man and Incredible Hulk, which feels forever ago now. Um, and then I came back to you guys, and then I freelanced uh, after I did another internship. Uh, I eventually graduated several months later, and then um, I freelanced for Ben for a while, for about a year and a half, I feel like, a year, year and a half. And then eventually you guys brought me on as, um, for some reason, you guys saw something in me. I have no idea what it was. <laughs> uh, if you can tell me, that'd be great. Uh, and you guys brought me on, and I uh, became full-time back in July of 2010. Amazing. Um, I, what were you doing specifically for Marvel Studios as an intern? Because I always thought that was that was kind of neat, the kind of stuff that you had that you were doing then, and and what it involved. Um, it was a lot. Of, I mean, back in the day, I don't know what it, 
you know, if anyone's listening to this and matching that what I'm about to say is what a Marvel Studios intern does today, I have no idea what they do today. But back in the day, I remember, like, um, it was a lot of, they were in development on Thor, the first Thor, and Captain America, the first Avenger at the time. Um, very early, like, pre-production development, like, um, uh, Kenneth Branagh and Joe Johnston weren't even involved. Or, no, I, I take that back. Joe Johnston was involved at the time, but Kenneth Branagh wasn't. Um, it was a lot of research. It was a lot of, like, I remember one day, like, I had to basically spend 10 hours scouring through, uh, Thor comics for... Uh, visual reference for Frigga. Uh, that that was literally just ten hours of my day. Was I just picked every single image of Frigga? Which fun story? Not that many images of Frigga in the comics back in two thousand eight. She became bigger with Matt Fraction and Jason Aaron's run. There was a lot more then. Wish I was an intern then. Uh, <laughs> There wasn't very much in 2008. I mean, it was a lot of visual reference. Um, it was a lot of, um, I mean, that was really the key thing. There was also a, a program at the time where you got to sort of, as an intern for the studios, read um, a bunch of screenplays from prospective screenwriters or screenplays that were currently in production uh, and do what's called out here in La La Land coverage of them, where you do sort of a synopsis of like, here's what it's about, here's the strength of the screenplay, here's the weaknesses. But at the time, back in 2008, you know, you got to do that and read through screenplays uh, that were basically from people that the development team was considering as, hey, maybe we want to work with these guys for one of our future movies and pass off recommendations of like, oh, the script's great, here's the reasons why, the script isn't great, here's the reasons why, but was a lot of sort of developing those tools of reading a story, reading a script, and, you know, figuring out what works, what doesn't, and making recommendations off of that. I don't imagine many, you know, I mean, there were just a lot of interns (laughs) doing this, a lot of 20-year-old college kids doing this. Uh, So I don't imagine that, like, it necessarily carried much weight. But at the same time, it was a great experience because it taught me a lot of, you know, what to look for, what not to look for, you know, how to dissect a script, how to dissect a uh, scene, um, how to sort of learn just, what makes a good movie from the page up. Um, so that's, uh, that was mostly why I did back when I was an intern back in 08 was read scripts, do coverage, and then scour through hundreds and hundreds of issues of Thor comics, hmm. hoping that this one had a great image of Frigga. <laughs> Strami, remember when you used the phrase out here in La La Land? I do, I do, I do. <laughs> but I can say that because I'm moving away from my life when I heard that when I heard that term. 
I'm, I'm moving away from Los Angeles, so I can I can refer to Los Angeles yeah, yeah. land. Uh, amazing. All right, so that's been a lot of astronomy talking for a little while. Um, Eric, you you come to us. Brian, from, Brian instantly regrets asking the question that launched. Uh, Eric, you come to us from IGN. You did what? Eleven years there. Eleven years, yeah. Although I was a freelancer for about a year before that. So it's a similarish story in in some respects to Strombe. How did you get into IGN, and and how did you get to Marvel? Yeah, it's it is similar as far as the yeah the uh, being turned down but being persistent. Uh, <laughs> in that uh, I was first uh, I was doing like movie reviews on the side for this little web. I was actually doing script coverage uh, as as well. Uh, I was doing that for a couple little companies, and I was doing movie reviews uh, a little bit here and there. And then a friend of mine who. Uh, was very into IGN, said, hey, they're looking for someone, um, a, a movie critic. And I said, that sounds awesome. And I applied and I didn't get the job. And then a year later, I saw that they were looking for a DVD critic and I applied and did not get the job. Uh, but then they said, we'd like to use you as a freelancer. And uh, I ended up freelancing for them and covering some movie junkets and uh, reviewing some stuff for them. And then uh, definitely sort of right place, right time, because they launched their TV section at IGN. They didn't have one prior to that and they were launching it and the editor-in-chief of the movie section was moving over to start tv and he said to me would you be interested in writing for us for that and uh, interviewed for that and so that's how i got got hired on um but uh, as ryan well knew i was a, a lifelong marvel fan you know i'd been reading the comics since you know i was like six or seven years old and uh, i got to know you ryan uh through various just events you know we'd see each other at comic cons we see each other at wrestlemania because we're Hello, wrestling fans. Oh, Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to know Strom too here and there. You know, I saw him on uh, the Civil War set visit and uh, Agent Carter and a few other things. Um, so yeah, I was getting to know these guys through the years, and uh, yeah, then Ryan reached out to me a couple months ago uh, with with Strom's impending departure coming uh, about possibly coming on board. And, uh, it was also really cool. I had no idea. I knew Christine as well. Didn't realize kind of that she worked exactly where she worked in, in Marvel and that we'd be working alongside each other because she and I knew each other also from various <laughs> Disneyland events and other yeah. things. We saw force awakens together a couple years ago. Nerd. <laughs> uh, so yes, all my, basically all my nerdy activity, uh, led me to sitting here talking to you right now. See, that's proof that being a wrestling fan can get you a job at Marvel. <laughs> I hope people take that away from this. Also, that's proof the fact that he spent like 60 seconds telling his story and I did like 15 minutes doing it that you have already uh, upgraded uh, by replacing him with me. The, Don't worry. Time... I can also tell very long stories and I shell sometimes. Definitely. Uh, you guys on the phone uh, won't have heard it, but Tucker gave his story at the beginning of the show in a very slow, calculated, deliberate manner that Strauman would be proud of. Was it longer or shorter than mine? Shorter. Okay, great. Great. Just as long as I still have the longest time on this podcast. <laughs> I've been doing intern interviews with Tucker all day, and he is nothing if not deliberate in his uh, speech patterns always. <laughs> I'm just staring into the middle distance, just kind of, you know, images, kind of a, like a Vietnam flashbacks happening before me uh, of looking back, and then I slowly 
choose my next word. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyway, let's a uh, little bit around the table, Strami. In your eleven, ten, whatever years, what uh, what are your favorite memories? Oh, good lord. Um. I don't know. I mean, the first that pops to mind is obviously being accepted in the first place to the internship and starting out back in January of 08 uh, with you. Uh, I distinctly still remember meeting you, Ryan, for the first time. Uh, I was very confused and uh, didn't even know where I was going to the internship. Uh, so I had to look it up in the indicia of uh, whatever Marvel comic I had on me <laughs> for where I was supposed to be going. Um, I mean, that was a great one. I mean, God, I don't even know. What, um, wait, why do you remember so specifically meeting me for the first time? Just because it was my first encounter with anyone from Marvel. It was my first time in the Marvel offices. Uh, you were obviously glorious and magnificent and radiant <laughs> and glowing. And I was just like, oh, this is the human being that I want to be eventually. Um, uh, but no, no, I mean, I mean, it was, you know, it was, I, I remember it. That was my smart ass response. But my honest response is, you know, Marvel to me growing up, you know, meant a lot. Uh, I've read comics since I was, you know, three years old, four years old. Um, and I distinctly remember meeting you, Ryan, and then eventually, shortly afterwards, you introduced me to Ben and, and John Cirilli because it, it, it seemed so welcoming and casual. Like, it... To me, at that point, I was, you know, I, I don't know how old I was. At the, well, how old was I? 20? Yeah, that sounds right. 20, 21. You know, uh, as a kid in college, um, the idea of working for Marvel was something unobtainable in my mind, essentially. But I somehow lucked into this internship, and I just remember... Uh, meeting you for the first time up on the 11th floor of the uh, building that we were at at the time, uh, the New York offices have since moved, um, and just feeling like, you know, it, it was the first time that I had met someone that was like, oh, it's another human being that works at Marvel. Like, I didn't understand that human beings worked at Marvel. Uh <laughs> you know, because it was, I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys on the phone or Eric or Christine can relate to this, but it just seems like a place that like you only got to when you had already proven yourself or you had already legitimized yourself. So the fact that I was meeting you, Ryan, and you were so casual and you were just, you know, asking me about myself, you were asking me about my classes, you were asking me about, you know, normal everyday stuff, uh, that's one of the more distinct things I remember, I feel like. Um, but yes, so to answer your question, that was one of my uh, favorite memories. 
uh, you know, going forward, obviously, once I was here, once I was entrenched, you know, Avengers coming out was a huge moment because Avengers coming out was, you know, Iron Man had come out and Iron Man was a huge success, of course, and everything. But at the same time, like, I was the kid that grew up who had no friends because I liked comics. Like, I grew up in a very, you know, I grew up in Minnesota, in a suburb of Minnesota, and the school I went to, none of the kids read comics, none of the kids liked comics. It was still that period where I was legitimately made fun of for liking comics. Um, I mean, also, I was a super awkward kid, which should surprise <laughs> no one who has ever had to talk to me or work with me. Um, but, you know, and, and just remember, like, that moment when Avengers came out, and Avengers became, you know, the top-grossing film of, you know, well, not all time, because it didn't break Titanic, but, you know, the second-greatest-grossing film of all time. There, I don't know. There, there was a weird sense of pride in the fact that, like, you know, I was there, and... I believed in these things when I was three years old and as a mid 20 something, I got to participate in the campaign, uh, the social campaign and the marketing campaign for that film um, that made it such a success. Uh, it was, it was really exhilarating uh, at that time. And uh I just felt like at that point, I wished that like 25-year-old me could go back to 5-year-old me and be like, don't worry, son. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Um, so that was definitely a huge moment. And I don't know, favorite moments? I mean, the favorite moments I have are all... They're things that wouldn't mean anything to our listeners, honestly, because the favorite moments I have from working at Marvel are all from my interactions with the people that work here. Um, with, you know, you guys, Ryan, Ben, John Cirilli, with, you know, people like, you know, Mike Pachulo or Tim Dillon or, or Henry Ong or Arun Singh when he was here or, you know, lots of, friendships I've made with people um, here that I think will last past the time that, or I mean, I hope they will, um, past the time that I've spent here. Those are really my favorite moments, are just the times where I got to bond with people, where I got to meet people um, and work with people who, you know, maybe some maybe have some type of public presence outside of the world, but, you know, to me, they're just my friends. They're people I know. They're everyday people. Um, I think I think those are my favorite moments. Well said. Ben, you come back to us after, what, three weeks off, and you helped put a baby into the world. How you feeling? Into the world. How am I feeling? Uh, pretty good, man. Fatherhood is definitely agreeing with me so far. I, uh, my baby sleeps pretty well at night. Uh, she's beautiful. 
and she likes car rides. Uh, she does not like wrestling. So sorry. <laughs> that was a we'll, we'll, we'll fix that. We'll fix that. <laughs> we'll fix that. But uh, no, I've been blessed. Uh, my wife has been awesome. Getting to spend the time with my family was really, really cool. But, you know, it was cool to come back here this week. And everyone's been so nice to me. And uh, you guys sent me a nice package with a bunch of books and clothes and stuff and uh, a bunch of nice notes. So I've really just... Uh, it's been a, it's been an amazing last few weeks, and it's, uh, it's just the start of a big new adventure. Indeed, Ben, do you have a favorite moment from your almost ten years? Um, I think I will always. Uh, two things jump out to mind. I'll always remember when we were doing Secret Invasion, and I pitched the whole Kinsey home invasion thing, uh, the viral video campaign we ended up doing on YouTube that my wife starred in that we basically tricked people into thinking there was this high school girl doing a blog, a video blog about um, going to prom, but it was actually a secret invasion tie-in because her brother had been replaced by a scroll. And we like slowly integrated hints into that. And then it actually got spun off into a comic. Um, that's, that's always high on the memory list for me. Um, I love that. And also Ryan, when you and I got to write, in the Marvel holiday special and you did a secret invasion story. So you also got to touch on secret invasion. And then I did a werewolf by night, one page uh, called werewolf by Eve, which was uh, the greatest Christmas story ever told with werewolf by night. Um, <laughs> Stephanie Busema. Uh, that was, that was really special, but you know, there's, there's hundreds of moments. I'm, I'm thinking of two in particular, but I could draw on hundreds. And like Stromy said, it's really getting to work with the people here and the friendships that you make and the bonds that you have. And to go full circle, I mean, really, when my daughter was born and I got all the great messages from so many people I've interacted with throughout the years because of Marvel, it was really uh, it was heartening and humbling and really, really nice. Very sweet. I, 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 want, I want to just specify, Ben, uh, those Secret Invasion videos that, that you and Megan did, those were on MySpace, correct? They were on MySpace. They um, were on MySpace, all right. They were on MySpace. They were that, for, for our listeners, that's how long we've been here. Yeah, right. We did stuff on MySpace. <laughs> uh, Sam Humphreys was in charge of MySpace. Yeah, MySpace so, Comics. Yeah, Sam Humphreys was in charge of MySpace Comics when we, uh, when we did the videos. I don't know what ever happened to him. He was okay for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I think he retired. I remember when we were in the old office and Sam was running MySpace Comics and someone brought him by our office and I was like, who's the guy with the big hair? Nice kid. And then yeah. that became Sam. It was very sweet. Uh, Christine, you've been now with us, what, a little over a year? Around a year? Uh, my year anniversary is end of this month. Woo! Right. All right, you get a pin or I don't know a toy truck <laughs> or something. Why uh, do I get something? Do I get? You do get a pin. I think you get a pin. Yeah, you get you get a like Disney pin. Oh, I was like, are you going to like take things off of Strom's desk and just <laughs> gift it to me? As, well, I think that's what we're going to have to do before the end of tomorrow. Is everybody just gets to? It's like a garage sale. Everybody oh, no, close. everything's already been looted. <laughs> That's what I always told everyone to do. For some reason, they haven't taken anything, though. I, I think, don't think... I, I think don't think they, off your desk. I don't think people thought I was serious when I said take anything off my desk except <laughs> my Legos. Well, I think a lot of people are also concerned that they might find food that you've left 
after a year. No, that Harrison Wilcox left after a year. Um, I've heard some stories in the past day. <laughs> I bet. Uh, Christine, from the first, from year one, any any fun highlights to share? Um, well, I operate in the future, so a lot of the fun moments that I've experienced are under embargo for another year. Um, <laughs> so a lot of nice secrets, piece. but um, but I think it's awesome. Yeah, that I've like I've known a lot of the people that I work with before I joined, and I think it's awesome that I get to collaborate and kind of do things that I haven't done before. Like now that part of a weekly podcast, learning how to edit. And I've been also, you know, learning how to produce video features. Um, so it's kind of cool to exercise all these like creative hats. So it's rewarding professionally. And it's just icing on the cake that I get to hang out with a lot of people at Disneyland. Like our whole team was apparently at Disneyland last weekend and none of us. We were. We were all there. I found you. <laughs> yeah. But Drum was there. True story. Was there. Everyone, every single person of the West Coast Digital team was at Disneyland last when last uh, Sunday. Yep. None of us knew that each other was at Disneyland <laughs> last Sunday. I saw Christine post a picture of the castle. I was like, oh, <laughs> she's here. That's great, uh, Tucker. On day three, what's your big yeah. memory? Honestly, it's got to be this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I've, uh, it's, I've felt so welcomed over the past few days, and uh, you know, uh, I still, uh, you know, I feel uh, like I have so much energy to, uh, uh, to uh, put out still, and uh, you know, I feel like a runner that's just getting out of the blocks, and uh, I'm ready to get to full steam ahead, and. Uh, yeah, so excited to be here. Hey, hey, Tucker, you're a former editorial intern as well, correct? You're absolutely right. It's funny you ask because when you were telling your uh, story, I felt like I was uh, like hearing a, a spooky vision of my own future. It, oh my God! I hope my future is not your future. <laughs> I hope for for your sake. I hope you do not become me. Well, let me just explain because I went to NYU. I uh, was an intern here in New York. I, you know, had my, you know, early interview experience with Ryan. Uh, uh, I, I, I as well freelanced for Ben for like a year and a half. And now I'm just joining the team. And it feels like uh, I, I, like I'll be, I, I feel like I'm going to be moving to Minnesota in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, Tucker, uh, I'm the one that's established the precedent for, like, editorial interns coming into the editorial team, okay? And I did okay, so don't screw this up. Are you saying, like, I owe you some percentage of my salary or something? I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you owe me some percentage. I'm just saying don't screw up my legacy, Tucker, all right? Well, just, I... I mean, we're we're off to a rocky start, but you know, hopefully things will smooth. Tommy, <laughs> so, as Christine said to you earlier, those pictures of your desk and what you've left—that is your legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Fun story. I was going to clean that desk until JP took those pictures. <laughs> um, and then finally, Eric, 
Um, uh, obviously, you're even shorter tenure so far than <laughs> Mr. Tucker. But uh, what are you looking forward to? What are, what are you excited about being here? No, I'm, I'm, I really am. I'm excited to be able to, you know, help contribute to, you know, something I've loved for so long. I mean, you know, I was definitely relating to what Strami was saying about, you know, feeling like working at Marvel growing up would be like an unattainable thing. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I didn't sort of, you know, I was, I had a great run at IGN, a lot of great people there I worked with. Uh, so for me to leave wasn't like a flippant thing, but Marvel was definitely one of those sort of dream jobs. In fact, it was funny when people kind of the word started to spread at IGN, I was leaving. There was a lot of like, Eric's leaving, but when you hear where he's going, you'll understand why. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just very excited to be able to contribute in any small way to what's going on here, because even just working at IGN the past decade has been kind of amazing because we were covering all this Marvel stuff and all these uh, films and TV shows that just seemed like they could never exist you know, when I was a kid, uh, I was, you know, lucky enough to go to the premiere of the Avengers and just be like, I can't believe this movie exists. Can't believe that this is actually happening. And, uh, you know, I'm not just saying it cause I'm in the room with you guys. Like one of my favorite IGN memories, as far as like set visits and opportunities was civil war, uh, because we were there, you know, we were watching the tarmac scene be shot. Oh, uh, yeah, I was, yeah I, I was there too. You were there. Yeah. yeah. And it was team cap. We watched the team cap side being shot, but they all walked out in costume and to see like, you know, all like six superheroes that I grew up reading about was amazing. So I'm just so excited to be here during this extremely exciting time for the company. It just, it just seems like the sky's the limit. And every time you think like, well, they've, they've topped themselves. They, you know, you guys keep topping yourselves. So I, I, and, and everyone here, like I said, I already knew most of you guys and knew I liked you guys. So it's, it's a great team to be able to be a part of. And, and when Eric says they all came on costume, he means they all came on costume full blown yeah. in 95 degree heat. Oh yeah. In, <laughs> yeah. Santa, Santa, in June. Yeah. Summer. Yeah. <laughs> with a hundred percent humidity. Yeah. Uh, no. And they had to run <laughs> half a course of a football field. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. It did look like a very, very hot and exhausting day for our heroes, but they valiantly did take after take. And and I, I want to say, you know, Ryan, you've been leading this, but uh, you're the one person that we haven't heard from, and you're actually the person who's been here longest. I, you know, your tenure, you started before, you know, Ben, John, me, anyone else, uh, back in what 2007 or 2006. I'm curious, throwing it back at you, you know, what's your favorite memory of this time and all of that? Oh, Strami. You're a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I joined in October 2006, so it's been a little while. Uh, I very distinctly remember at being at Comic-Con probably... What year did Iron Man come out? 2008? Oh, so it would have been Comic-Con 2007. We had a Comic-Con presence. A booth. wasn't huge, but... You know, we still were a very small team, and I remember I was a videographer. They gave me a camera for some reason. <laughs> I was holding the camera, and I remember we were doing the unveiling of the Mark One, probably, in the middle of the booth with Favreau and RDJ in the middle of Comic-Con. You, like, to imagine that there's there's no security, there's no 
stage. It was, oh, okay, here's a giant box, and we're going to lift the box cover off, and then, <laughs> oh, there's going to be this suit of armor there, and we're going to have the director and the star of what turns out to be the biggest, most amazing franchise in cinematic history. And I remember standing there with the camera on my shoulder being like, hey, this is pretty cool, you know, as like a 26-year-old just enjoying it all. And and thinking about that and thinking where we've come in, in these 10 years, it's been fun. It's been, it's been good. And, and like y'all, like Mark and Ben have said, it's, it's been really about who we, the people we work with and the relationships we've built. Um, so that, that's been the most, probably the most rewarding thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can coax him onto uh, taking over the microphone and the headset for me, but I'm sitting next to John Cirilli, who has been the most important part of our crew. And, uh, just to say, at least say goodbye to Strami uh, and say hello to Eric. Uh, hold on one second. <laughs> okay, I think I'm strapped in. You might hear something. <laughs> <laughs> Strami, uh, I understand um, you have some work to do for us next week. You'll be in on Monday, right? Yeah, uh, yep, I'll be here on Monday, uh, definitely for sure. Nope, nope, won't be. Christine will be doing all that. Damn it. <laughs> 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 anyway, yes, let me publicly thank Mark Strom for nearly 10 years of incredible work. Um, Single-handedly established us out on the West Coast. Um, and really, a lot of the stuff that we're doing nowadays couldn't have happened without him. So, Mark, we're going to miss you. Go save the world, will you? I'll do my best, JC. Okay. We'll be watching. Is it, wait, wait, is this, John, is this your, This Week in Marvel debut? Did did I finally get you to make your This Week in Marvel <laughs> debut? Uh, no, I think I was on once more. Are I we, think I did something with, time. yeah. No, in my head, this is your debut, and I got you to make You're your right. debut. <laughs> and that is one of the greatest things that I've done here at this company. <laughs> You're right. You, I made my second debut with you here, Strami. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric, welcome to the team. Get to work. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, the words of John Cerilli. Uh All right. Well, that was a little indulgent, so I uh, I appreciate everybody who stayed around and listened to all of this. And thank you guys for doing this, uh, getting the whole crew together for this little uh, podcast business. I think that's it. We're going to, you guys on the West Coast, you'll take over some news and then we'll go back to Tucker and myself for questions and comments. That sound good? Uh Sounds good. Sure. (laughs) And then uh, I think we'll do This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club for next week. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll, We'll pick a book, talk about that, and get things rolling next week. Right. Can I can I can I just randomly call in to the Twim URC every now and then? <laughs> if we can just make offer it my color commentary. My sure. my official my official non official uh, uh, tweet as the hashtag swim URC. Oh you hashtag swim URC. Oh you bet I will be. But <laughs> I'm just going to be I'm just going to be tweeting at the uh, West Coast swim URC. <laughs>
That sounds like a great plan. All right. Back to you. <laughs> you guys can handle the news, and then we'll be back in a minute. It's the West Coast, show me of the wolf man. It's the West Coast, show me of the wolf man. It's the West Coast, show me of the wolf man. It's the West Coast, show me of the wolf man. It's the West Coast, show me of the wolf man. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello there this week in Marvelites. Uh, welcome to another thrilling installment of the Strummy and the Wolfman show, a.k.a. Uh, not the Strummy and the Wolfman show. It changed from that a while ago. It became the Stromstein show, and now it's something else. But we still have the Strummy and the Wolfman theme song for some reason. Uh, this is my Do farewell. Do you know how much it costs to write up a jingle? <laughs> it might be time now, though. <laughs> This is my farewell podcast. Uh, I am uh, Marvel.com editor. No, JP, get out of here. <laughs> JP, get out of here. Our space has been invaded. This is Marvel.com editor uh, Mark Strom, joined by... Assistant editor Christine Den. And uh, my newer, better, faster, stronger replacement... Editor Eric Goldman. And also this guy... Hi, JP, office manager. <laughs> Who we don't like at the moment. <laughs> Just want to throw like that JP. out there. He's been we cool. He's Some been, of us He's don't. been cool to me in the day I've been here. Okay, great. Good, good for you guys. Good for you guys. <laughs> I really don't understand what's just not to like about me. <laughs> Such a... I, don't, make it, more work, don't make me work more to edit everything in this podcast. No, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be silent instead of saying why I think about you, JP, uh, because uh, I want to create more work for Christine. But we're here. When has that ever stopped you, actually? I'm uh, curious. You know what? I, 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 I'd like to think that I've been fair about it. I, I've only given Christine the work that you know I uh, felt she needed to learn in order to do her job better. But uh, in, in the last few months... Uh, Anyway, as I say, this is my last podcast, but we're here talking about um, movie and TV news. And games. And games, and games, correct. Um, Christine, why don't you talk, why, why don't you start us off so that, because I feel like if I start us off, JP will just interject and completely derail the entire thing. Well, so. in the world of TV, we announced a new casting for Marvel's Jessica Jones. Yes, season two. Coming out in only on Netflix exclusively, 2018. Uh, J.R. No, J.R. Ramirez is joining as Oscar, who is the new superintendent in Jessica's building, who has a son who's infatuated with Jessica, but he is definitely not all about these superpowers because he thinks trouble comes her way. Which, to be fair, if you've ever met or spoken with Jessica Jones... That's not an unfair I think when assumption. you see that her front door Don't, never... Front door, so I was going to mention yeah, that. Yeah. Never, <laughs> never uh, stable or uh, functioning properly with a window. Like, yeah. oh, I, I can't imagine. My son's infatuated with this woman who um, is constantly punching people through the uh, glass of her door. Or, or getting punched <laughs> through the glass. Or getting punched through. Okay, I can't imagine why I'd be wary of that woman. I mean, she's That's never going to get her you know, deposit back after what happened in the last season. You know who is getting their deposit back? Me. Oh, you cleaned your apartment? I did clean my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and just your apartment? Well, I was going to clean my desk until someone did something, and now I may not. Mm. But, but I'm hoping he'll clean his desk, because soon it'll be my desk. 
dare to dream, Eric. Dare to dream. Yeah, we'll in, see. The, in the world of... We're, we're clearly just completely loopy at this point. <laughs> clearly one of the four of us does not care about anything. Um, uh, over in the world of Marvels and Humans, we released the very first clip uh, from the series. Um, we'd shown clips before, obviously, at... Uh, San Diego Comic-Con and fans got to see them up on a big IMAX screen if they were lucky enough to be in SDCC over in Horton Plaza. Uh, but for anyone who wasn't there, you can now go online, go on Marvel.com or YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, yada, 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 and see the very first clip from the series. It features uh, Medusa uh, exercising her... Uh, I was trying to come up with a clever pun for this, but I couldn't. She just, she strangles Maximus with, Maximus with her hair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Maximus, you know, thinks that he has, uh, you know... Uh, I, I, I was going to say, rightfully so, she yeah. strangles Maximus with her hair, because <laughs> Maximus is kind of being well, He has a comment. He has a comment. Yeah. But uh, you can watch all that on all of our channels. Of course, uh, Marvels and Humans, you can see the first chapter in IMAX on September 1st in IMAX theaters, and then the entire series will premiere on ABC come September 29th. And then back to the world of Netflix, we had the New York premiere of Marvel's Defenders. It's coming on Netflix August 18th, and we just had the cast having a grand old time in New York. Uh, You'll see a lot of clips and things coming over from the New York side of the office. Can I say the movie news? Yes, say the movie news. (laughs) Go with the movie news. Uh, That uh, earlier this week, the official production began on Ant-Man and the Wasp. And there's a fun little uh, sort of video from the set. And it's playing the theme from Ant-Man, which is one of my favorite Marvel movie themes. Uh, And I'm just, I'm psyched for this movie because, I mean, it was already a great cast, but Michelle freaking Pfeiffer, come Uh, on. Grease 2 is my (laughs) most favorite movie ever. She's a legend. What? (laughs) You haven't seen her talk about this? Um, Ant-Man is actually uh, next to Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, It's my second favorite Marvel movie. So I'm very excited to see that as a non-employee. Yeah, Yeah. I I loved it too. And uh, I was lucky enough to be at the Marvel Studios panel at Comic-Con where they did that great video that was like from the set kind of running through the story so far and then revealed Michelle Pfeiffer at the end. And it was kind of one of those, it took a second to process like why (laughs) she's sitting there and like, oh, oh my God, she's in the movie. (laughs) Uh, So so that was, that was, it it was one of those things where, you know, unfortunately the cast couldn't be there, but they more than made up for it in a very fun and creative way. So yeah, I'm psyched for that. Awesome. Uh, whilst whilst we're gonna, for news, we're going to close out with games. Games uh, in the world of Marvel's Contest of Champions, we have another Spidey villain, um, Green Goblin, joining the game this week. So download that. That guy throws pumpkins and they explode. I know. I'm sure that's uh, no, 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 no. I'm I'm sorry. I, I just have to clarify. Eric, you're thinking of the Hobgoblin. Oh, well, they both have had it. No, 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 no. You're thinking, I, I get, but you're thinking of the Hobgoblin. I just want to leave by explaining. Not the Demo Goblin? No. You... <laughs> Excellent callback. Thank you, thank you. Um, 
Uh, uh, no, I just felt like random answering <laughs> that. Uh, I was channeling my inner JP there to mm. just be, you know, mean. Confrontational. Do you Confrontational. Wanna, do you no, actually, <laughs> you were just channeling yourself. That is you normally. Yeah, do you want to leave our fans with parting words about your experience with Mark Strong? <laughs> no, 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 abort, abort. No. Okay, we're ending this no, podcast. No. I'm turking them. I think that's the microphone away this from Jason. Excellent uh, suggestion. The final, the final episode. The, all right, mm. JP, what do you want to say about me? If previously, everyone said very nice things about me. Do you really want the last note of me on this podcast to be you saying something mean? I, I you can share secrets as it's well. It's your choice. It's your choice, JP. It was great working with you, Mark. I'm not just um, just making any of this up. It, you have been probably my favorite person <laughs> in this office. Unfortunately, I never got to work with you. Um, but I did love... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, actually, I will reveal one secret. Um, <laughs> it was me that zip-tied all of your furniture together. Wait, you that what? Zip-tied all of your furniture I together? knew it was you! <laughs> I knew that was you when that did that! Did that. <laughs> all right, so one time I came into the office after being out on vacation for a week, and uh, all of my furniture, all of my chairs, and that, everything was zip-tied together. With... with I will say, your scissors zip tied to oh, wow. all of the zip ties. Yes, with my scissors zip tied to it, and I, I, I went instantly, foolishly thinking, oh, you know, Harrison Wilcox did this, of course. I went to JP and I was like, hey JP, do you have a scissors that I could use? Because someone that is a very cleaned up version of the story. (laughs) And and for some reason JP didn't have any scissors. Well despite being the office manager. I I also uh, cleaned all of my tracks by zip tying a couple pieces of my own furniture. Wow. Diabolical, sir. God, that's right. You did. I forgot about that detail. No, I I, I got some very angry texts from you. (laughs) Why did you zip tie my furniture together? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I came into the office and, oh no, my furniture was also zip tied together. The perfect crime. Exactly. How could I have done that to you? And then I was very confused because I was like, why would Harrison Wilcox also zip tie JP's furniture together? That makes no sense. So I was trying to figure out, wait, which person did both JP and I irritate? Mm. No. Uh, great. Thank you for finally being that, JP. Yeah. I'm also going to miss axe bombing your uh, your cube. Oh, God, that's right. You used to do that. Yeah. Well, you did it to me first. No. You did well, it to me first. To be fair, you deserved it the first time. I don't think I did. I think you no. did. <laughs> All right. Clearly, there are no rails on this podcast for us to jump off of <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to miss you, Mark. I I, th- I think that's uh, you know uh, good enough uh, note to uh, good enough note to uh, wrap up on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, next week I won't be here, but you will be in the much better hands of Christine and Eric, who will offer you much more entertaining news <laughs> in a much more entertaining fashion. Now that I am no longer 
uh, in charge of this and insisting on calling it either the Stromy and the Wolfman show or the Stromstein show with my truly terrible German accent or whatever the hell it was I was trying to do. This goodbye is very long-winded. It's like you're try- you're, you're not letting go. All right, fine. You know what? All right. All right. Bye, JP. Bye, everyone. Um, We're going to throw it to Eric and I. Uh, we had a segment with Marvel Animation. Listen to them. They're much more short-winded. Best of luck in everyone's future endeavors. Um, this is Strummy out. See you all next time. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest. Welcome back this week in Marvel. Today we have an awesome jam-packed room to talk about Marvel's Gardens of the Galaxy. Joining me, we have our new addition. Eric Goldman, glad to be here. Um, and then everyone else, we have Harrison. Hello everybody, I'm back again, despite your comments <laughs> online. Hello. We have two awesome guests. We have the cast from Marvel's Gardens of the Galaxy. We have David, who voices Drax, and Vanessa, who voices Gamora. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Great. Excellent. Um, you guys were at D23 in San Diego yes. these past two and a half weeks. Convention yeah. Palooza. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was so fun. It's really great to be uh, at D23 before the noise of Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. So some of you probably really paid attention that Spider-Man's coming. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I also love that D23 is like Disney fans and mm-hmm. like you know I know that the audience was packed and everyone was super enthusiastic yeah and it was just like everyone who was here for Disney XD and Marvel and it was like a lot of love for you guys yeah definitely a supportive vibe there yeah that's awesome yeah and uh, every, I just love how the cast uh, we get along so well we sort of make fun of each other it's a lot <laughs> like the show um, but it was it was fun to share that vibe with our fans and let them see how much fun we always have and you know, kind of brought us all together. <laughs> and, and we'll mention again, you know, I always like to do uh, product plugs for Marvel. I, I brought my favorite Marvel product. It's the Guardians of the Galaxy Geeky Tiki's. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. We have uh, the Tiki yeah. You have to collect all six. Yeah, I ordered them for everybody on You uh, did, yeah, Vanessa yeah. got me mine, <laughs> got me the Drax one. Thinkgeek.com. Yeah, cool. they're they're fantastic. There now, well, plug. we'll keep saying that we're going to have a Tiki party at some point, <laughs> so we'll have to bring our mugs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I've never completely. It's never been explained to me how this relates to the actual show, but I'm going with it. I love it. <laughs> Wait, till you it. see some scripts coming up. It's maybe there's tiki a yeah, maybe it's t- <laughs> there's a tiki arc. <laughs> Look for it. If you're listening, send David and Vanessa Guardians merch, and That's, they will use it. Absolutely, <laughs> you betcha. I know uh, you know we're going to talk about stuff that's happening sort of in the present on Guardians, but at D23, it was also announced that the future of Guardians' uh, Mission Breakout storyline uh, has someone who had just gone on that at uh, Disneyland and loved it. Uh, is that exciting for you guys to kind of get to cross paths with all of that? Oh, definitely. I haven't um, been on the ride yet, but I, I can't wait. I'm yeah. actually going to be going on the ride two days from now, and I, I have a feeling when I go on the ride, it's going to be very familiar to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Because we're we're pretty much uh, twenty six times. Quite, we're quite far into season three now, records. Yeah, and that's the story of of the ride. Mm-hmm. We kick it off in the in the very first episode. So wow. I can't wait. Really this will sad. really kind of be like an acid trip. You know, I'm going to be on this ride. <laughs> yeah, going through all the scripts that we've done. Mm-hmm. They will all flash back. Yeah. You'll have some uh, some negative feelings about the collector, though. 
No, he's not, he's not. He's not really a good guy. Yeah. No. But when you definitely go on the ride, there's a lot of Easter eggs along the way, mm. like uh, stuff from the Marvel universe, but also in Disneyland lore. So they don't only only have hidden Mickey's; they have hidden Draxes and hidden Gamoras. A lot of other things as well. There's a lot of hidden stuff. It's actually like an experience where you kind of want to linger in the queue because there's a lot of things to see. Yeah. Like even if you look up high in some of the collector's cases, there's things that if you know sort of a lot of Disney stuff, you'll be like, oh, wait. Uh, Is Stan Lee there somewhere? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) He's always making a cameo. It's very possible. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. Well, you just have to keep an eye out. Yeah. There's definitely a lot for... Fans who know, like, just either the comics or the cinematic universe, TV, there's definitely clues everywhere. That's I'm awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. So I know this weekend we have uh, brand new episodes on Disney XD on Saturday. Yes. Yes. And um, those episodes really reflect a lot on your character arcs. So I know um, we go, the Guardians are going to Drax's home planet. And we learn uh, some flashbacks from when you were young. I know it was such a traumatic time for him, you know, the way his family was treated. <laughs> we go, we go really young, don't we? Yeah, he's he's Teen Drax. We see Teen Drax for a little bit, and this is actually uh, an episode that we showed a clip from at San Diego this year. And we see uh, how Drax became the Destroyer, uh, and some backstory that maybe is a bit of a surprise to people. He he actually left the mantle. Uh, in the name of true love and a a new destroyer has been chosen and that destroyer uh, is not very happy to see Drax again Mm -hmm. well you know you you have to show these things it's nice to go back and and find out somebody's heart and soul Um, I think it makes the show more meaningful absolutely and uh, we've all gone through that, all the different characters. Mm-hmm. Remember when Rocket's mom came? I love Rocket's mom. That was such a, a special episode. <laughs> yep. Pam. Pam was yeah. awesome. Pamela, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, she's great. Yeah. So what is Teen Drax like? Is he as angsty as Teen Groot? <laughs> well, I think that he always had that energy, you know, that uh, warrior energy in him. Um, I'm going to be very interested to hear what you did with the voice. Uh, I, we didn't do much, to be honest. I think we just pitched it up just a little bit. Well, there you go. Yeah, he, he always had a lot of uh, masculine energy. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we, did, we did the same thing with, uh, you know, Thor is also very masculine. When we see him younger in the past, we just pitched it up just a little bit. But he's still there. But you know, he's, you know how they say there's a villain with a heart of gold? Drax not being a villain. He's a hero with a heart of gold, really. I mean, you see this on occasion in the episodes. Uh, and that does mean a lot to me because he's not just this... All about destroying all the time. Right. There, there is some heart there. You know, we're all human. At the end of the day, even though he wasn't really kind of, he was kind of transformed to be beyond human. Yeah. At one point, I read somewhere that he's seven hundred and forty pounds. Two. <laughs> hey, that's there's some elevators he could not get on. No. <laughs> you know, the Marvel Live package, you know, talks about Drax's history and uh-huh. says he's from Burbank, California. That's right. And he was a saxophone player. And we, uh, <laughs> what? We're going to wow. parody that for a hot 10 minutes in season three. So for no other reason, stay tuned for season three for Drax. Playing oh. saxophone. <laughs> I'm wondering if Bill Clinton so appears good. in that episode. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, well, what's really awesome is that, you know, we do get glimpses of both of your past, and both of your characters were trained to be these ultimate destroyers, and you're, you were pushed to be beyond what you are capable of, but 
as you got your characters grew, there's a lot of love and compassion there, and a lot of that dictates why you guys are drawn together as a team. I think that must certainly be part of Gamora's character as well in terms of the training, you know, to be uh, the the most dangerous woman in the galaxy. Right. You have to have a lot of background in fighting and just mm-hmm. different, different skills. Yeah. And you can see that the way you perform the character. You know, I, I feel this martial arts training is happening in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good because I've had plenty of it. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah, I think I've been doing it since 98 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. You hear it in the efforts that you do. Oh, really? You do. Well, you'd think that you were a black belt. <laughs> because when you get in there and start punching things, oh my goodness. Well, yeah. it's something I was mentioning earlier before we started recording. Um, Marvel, the attention to quality is quite a, a big mark of, of the Marvel brand. And we go back and we look at all the fights and we make sure they sound authentic. We do a lot of ADR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of ADR. And most companies, most shows do not do that. And it, I think it adds another level that other shows don't have. Yeah. And I also do love that you guys do record together because mm-hmm. you do yeah. have this awesome yeah. dynamic between yeah. each other and it really shows. Yeah, it's fun. Speaking of you know the training that Gamora went through, we, the, the following episodes, following Drax's episode, we, we get into the final arc of the season and uh, we're getting to the sort of the, the big culmination of Warlock's arc. Uh, people familiar with the comics know that there is a dark side to Warlock uh, and we're definitely heading down that road. Something very interesting we sort of found as the season went on with Gamora is that you know early on in season two, she put on a damaged Nova helmet, and it almost killed her. Uh, and, and we find out over the course of the season that the Nova helmets, these ancient Centurion helmets, were actually sort of knights of the round table for Warlock. Uh, they were there to protect him, but they were also there to destroy him if he ever goes rogue. Uh, and so uh, Gamora, you know, late in the season has to make a choice to put on a helmet that almost killed her once to potentially destroy uh, a, a warlock who she first met as a baby and helped train uh, into uh, the adult warlock that we see at the end of the season. So there is a really interesting uh, emotional story there for Gamora. Definitely. Yeah, a huge conflict, but it's sort of like you have to weigh the lives of many versus the life of one. So she has to do what she has to do, but so it's not she, easy. You think she's going to put him down? Uh, well, it, we'll see. <laughs> I don't Spoiler alert. I'll, I'll keep it vague, but uh, yeah, that's even even being called to action in that way is, is pretty rich with high-stakes drama. Yep. <laughs> well, it sounds like there's so many beats to it because, yeah, it also, like you said, almost killed her the first time. So it's not just I might yeah. have to sacrifice someone that I care about, but I might also have to sacrifice myself. Exactly. So I imagine that must have been pretty great as an actress to get to play all those beats in one. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, and Eric Bauza is absolutely amazing. Uh, as Warlock. As Warlock. He's fantastic. I mean, as a baby... He goes in, you know, here's this grown man crying like a small infant. And then suddenly he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, whoa, hey. Oh, that's right. He's a voiceover talent. So I guess this is what we do all day long. But he really, speaking of great acting opportunities, that role for him is just epic. I mean, it's a true example of his extreme talent. He's like 
amazing. The character is so conflicted because there's a lot of uh, evil energy, but he's a good guy. He doesn't want to be evil. Yeah. Uh, and Plus, he, he has great hair. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, it's awesome <laughs> hair. His hair is award-winning. Both Woo. Eric and like, gee, your hair smells terrific. It's 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 all things good hair. Yeah. Have you guys ever noticed um, throughout all of animation that helmets are forbidden fruit? Because they helmets in general, huh. you're going to get power from a helmet, but it's also going to do something really bad to you. Hmm. Every time I've ever had a helmet in my entire career, there's been some <laughs> some little yeah. secret bad thing about yeah. it. Huh. Uh, so a couple weeks ago. Vanessa, we had uh, Mr. Henry Gilroy in. <laughs> yes. He was talking about uh, Rebels. Oh, dear. I just have one question for you about that. Okay. Because you are a lead on both shows. Sure. Are you, are you tired of space? Are you sick of space? Never. <laughs> Never? Never, ever. Uh-uh. The final frontier, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Color green and space. I know. Everyone says green is the new black for <laughs> Vanessa. And then they say, when are you going to play She-Hulk? And I actually did in Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So. Okay. I don't know. What you else? could say that Vanessa Marshall's career is in a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> nice. A positive we vacuum. That. A very, no, well, we like David's stick. good at those. Yeah, David's, David's like... I like puns. I, well, Drax loves puns. I like puns, too. And, oh, it's so good. And, you know, we have so much fun in the booth. Oh, yeah. There's shtick going on all the time. Definitely. There should be a whole other show of the show that we do that's not the show. Well, you know, I just read something this morning. They said that there's a new position open at NASA called yes. Planet Protector or something like yes. that to protect us from aliens. So it the is fact a real that job. yeah, it's a real job. So I'm thinking, and they said Will Smith is polishing up his resume. <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, if we're as a culture leaping into outer space, I I think it bodes well for my intergalactic career <laughs> thus far. I'll just stay out there. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, it was mentioned earlier, but it is true that, you know, a lot of shows don't record the cast together. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have worked, you know, plenty of times by yourself. But is it just so different when you, you know, actually get that energy of the other person oh, rather yeah. than listening later and saying, okay, that's what they're going to edit it? Oh, it's, yeah, definitely. Because we goof off most of the time. <laughs> We're making each other laugh and, and trying to sort of, you know, in acting, it's as if you're volleying the tennis ball in the air and the next person hits it and you're sort of reacting and acting and reacting. But um, with like punchlines and jokes, I mean, David is naturally that funny and that earnest and kind and yet lethal. Look at him. He's, he, 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 he looks like Drax. You're He's very amazing. sweet, but you know, you're, um, yeah. you're, we're, we're, all, we're all well cast. Yeah. You're an incredible performer. Oh. Uh, and um, I think we bring, we bring a lot of uh, history to our parts because we've all been really doing this for decades. Yeah. You know, but the fun part of it is when there's something funny that goes on. Yeah, I'm playing the scene, but I love to see if I can make people laugh there's, in the room, you know? There's one episode in season one where uh, <laughs> where Will did this Michael Jackson maneuver. He didn't have to, but that's what I'm saying. He's so gifted that he'd sure. go, hey, hey, or something. And they, I think they animated to it, yeah. and they did like a moonwalk thing. And stuff like that happens with you're just praying that you don't laugh in the moment. Yeah, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's so alive. But this is why we record before they animate. So yeah. they don't know what we're going to do. They right. might, we might have something that we throw in that they can animate. Yeah, yeah. Leo, Riley, and team have done a really good job on the production side of more, more than any other show I've worked on at Marvel, getting the, the acting on the faces of the characters. And it's not an easy thing to do. Sure. Uh, especially with you know our, our production and our schedule. But uh, you know, 
I really look forward to seeing the picture come back and seeing what you guys did in the booth uh, translating to their faces. Yeah, and the animation is fantastic, by the way. The colors, it's yeah. so dynamic. I, I really love all the pinks and purples and blues. And, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of school, but I understand in third it's season. It's okay, we can erase it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> true, we can. Um, you know, as a longtime fan of the Guardians in general, I think it's awesome that they're so popular now, but especially the characters you play. I mean, I remember reading the comic book uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch back in the day that Drax and Gamora were a big part of. And with the Guardians as a whole, what do you think it is that's like just clicked with people? And a few years ago, it didn't seem like you know the Guardians of the Galaxy were destined to be this popular, but now it's it feels like of course they are. What do you think is that resonates with the fans? Well, I think they're they're obviously not all human, but they're regular people and they have faults. And I think just like when we watch The Office or some of these. Uh, comedies where we see their faults and identify with them there's something we can really relate to they're they're horribly imperfect and yet they somehow manage to pull things off uh, you know out of impossible odds but um, I think people feel more a part of when they see that someone is you know, they see all of their faults in addition to their assets and they really wear them I mean in the trailer I hope it's okay to say this, but when he says, what a bunch of a-holes, yeah. you know, that really sort of summarizes the whole thing. Or they're walking forward and Rocket is adjusting his pants. It's like, oh, oh okay, very good. Yeah. You know, that's sort of the vibe of them, and there's something very informal about that that I think is welcoming and uh, makes us feel like we're all at the same party together and, mm-hmm. and we want to hang out with them every week. So. And and these characters are not afraid to make fun of themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, Drax is a serious destroyer, but um, he is goofy. Yeah. Oh that's in the animation department. I can't really <laughs> yeah. speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. I know you guys mentioned like your favorite moments from season one. What can you tell me, like, share with the audience um, a favorite moment that you guys had while recording for season while two? While recording. Um, for season two, let's see. All right, so favorite moments in the, in the booth. Just, you know, when, like, actually something happened yesterday. Of course, it's, you know, way too early to talk about the episode. Um, Trevor was so broken up that it took about five minutes to get back on the script. Yes. That was fun. Yes. <laughs> and we and you know what the sense of play is very important in animation and they let you do that they will let you have the time so that if we're just goofing off for a little bit it's okay it adds to the performance in yeah. the end build on you know keep the energy going build on it work through it we're not wearing ties and suits to work sure <laughs> i think my favorite season 2 moment was doing i think was it pig face there's there's some alien yes and uh, yes. it was an unexpected sound that came out of me you'll have to (laughs) i don't know if i should ruin it by by doing it but if you can do it do it uh what was the line well okay so the alien talked like this and then had a squeal at the end (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's not not really something you expect out of uh, a red-headed lady you know doing like when we need like a, a fourth or fifth male guard. Oh, I'm always I'm right there, dude. I got you. Yeah, it's my yeah. favorite. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm always like hand up. Me, I'll do it. I'll, yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask about that in general because yeah, you know, you look at uh, the show and you guys have your main characters you're playing, but you always are playing these little incidental characters. How does that come up? You know, is it pre-planned or is it on the day sometimes? Just oh, we need someone to do this. Well, character. I think it is pre-planned. You know, they Mostly. tell us who we're playing. Yeah. Um, Drax doesn't have a lot of incidentals because I think my voice is a little too distinctive. Kind of cuts through. But I have. A f- it's funny because when you look you at. You were the a guard. IMDb, you've been a guard. But when you look at the IMDb, like, because we've done so many episodes, yeah. I hardly do any incidentals, but there's like 
10. Yeah. <laughs> does yeah. add up after a while. It does nice. Add up. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to say, we mentioned this at D23, uh, Drax in particular um, is someone that I've heard that the autistic community can relate to because we have somebody who doesn't understand, uh, really process things that aren't literal. And my, I've been, it's been told to me that that may be the way that some people in the autistic community view the world. And it kind of shows people that anybody can be a hero. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of that with Drax. It makes me feel great. Uh, he's yeah, a good is, role model. That is a fantastic story that you told me before. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So I, I like to bring it up whenever I can. Yeah. I, just think, I, I like that um, our culture is very inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone can be a part of it. It doesn't matter uh, who you are, where you come from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these issues have certainly becoming up late, becoming up lately in the community about equality and diversity and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing too. I'm looking at a poster of, of the Guardians. I mean, what could be more diverse? Yeah, than all these I know. People look at these, these guys. different worlds. <laughs> right. The, the tree community is well represented. Exactly. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah the raccoons. Yep. yep. <laughs> trash pandas. Love. <laughs> Well, I think like you were saying earlier, it's that thing of that as while you would describe them, their sound there's these crazy aliens, but they also feel like average Joes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that exactly. Awesome exactly. academy. Yeah. yeah. We don't have our noses in the air Mm-mm. at all. It's a, more, it's a lot of fun, especially in the writer summits, you know, that we do to be able to have the freedom. You know, I work on the Avengers show. Also, I love working on the Avengers show. But the Guardians, there's something special about them. There's something that really. You know, they don't always have to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. They can get into an adventure because they're doing the absolute wrong thing because they're stealing something or yeah. a bounty or just trying <laughs> to make a buck. Uh, and it just it freezes up uh, uh, to what Vanessa was saying earlier. It, 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 like we're all at the same party. They're more relatable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And by the way, if anybody thinks that Groot is easy to play, mm. uh, Kevin Michael Richardson has three words to say. I am Groot. Mm. He says them thousands of different ways. Yeah. And you can yeah. tell what he's saying by the way he does it. Very few people could do that. I liken it to the phrase dude. Dude? Dude. Because dude can be said in anger. It can be said in, in joy. It can it can be said a million different ways, and you know exactly what the person saying mm-hmm. it means. So to, to say that a phrase has only one meaning or one way of saying it, no way. He's made me laugh and he's made me cry with those three totally. words. Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dude is not the smartest uh, <laughs> thing to liken it to, but his the nuance is insane. Like It is possible to, to make three words sound like a million different things, and he certainly does. It's an acting exercise, really. Like yeah, the things that we exactly. learned in acting school. I, I studied with uh, Sanford Meisner, and he would he might use the phrase, I am Groot. It didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, he'd say, say the text. And back then... You know, you're doing things in class you probably couldn't do today. Like, he literally, like, slap you in the face, say the text, (laughs) stroke your arm, say the text, give you an idea that the text doesn't matter so much as what's underneath it. Mm -hmm. That's another good thing to bring up about voice acting, I think, Vanessa would Mm -hmm. agree. Um, We're not doing voices. We're playing characters. Exactly. And I think great performances come from uh, the heart of the character, what's going on emotionally underneath versus putting on a voice. I think that's a big fallacy that people don't really understand how we do what we do. I think the listener can always tell when the acting is hollow if it's mm-hmm. just a sound. Yeah. You just It doesn't resonate in the least. Everything I've ever booked in terms of an audition has had the specificity either of being based on someone that I know and I know exactly how they speak and think and that, that comes through, I think, in the read. But uh, anything where I've just gone for a sound... <laughs> Like maybe pig face. <laughs> that may sound hollow. Um, I don't know anyone like pig face, but 
Um, but I do think it makes a huge difference, and uh, we definitely have that in the booth. <laughs> and another thing that you will you really will notice if you're there. Some of us have been in this business 20, 30, even 40 years, but we still love what we do. Oh, yeah. You can't show up on a show like this and phone it in from Toledo. It does no. Not, no offense to Toledo. But <laughs> it, it doesn't work. No. Tuesday afternoons when we record these, it's, it's one of the highlights of the week. Yep. For you it is? It is, absolutely. I'm glad we can bring a little joy into your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do you have any, other, any more questions? No, that's it. I just want to say there will be more laughter and more tears as we get to the season finale, and there will be a major character death. Goodbye. Oh. No. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. <laughs>
Hashtag Secret Empire number seven was heartbreaking but hopeful. Hashtag Raise the Shield. Hashtag This Week in Marvel. Yes. Uh, Simon Sebs. Simon Williams says, Twim of the Week for July 26th, Black Panther number 16. He says, reading Sam Wilson number 24, good to see Sam, hashtag take back the shield. Also, his brother has been one of my favorite characters. Yeah, his brother, mm-hmm. he like whenever he shows up, he's it's great because Nick writes that great sense of like a brother talking to a brother, but also the brother, like Sam's brother is a priest, I believe, and he's got like this other side of things that we don't see very often in the comics. Uh, yeah. He is a really great character. Simon continues saying, Reading Moon Girl number 21, it looks like some interesting twists are coming with the Moonbots. And he says, I will say I'm going to miss Strami. What are you going to do for the West Coast music now since he and Wolfman are gone? That's a great note. We are. I'm going to engage Mr. Jimmy Yaren, who does all the music for the show. Uh, And we're going to figure out if we do something similar, which is that West Coast hip-hop vibe with new lyrics for uh, Christine and Eric or something completely new. We'll find out. Mm. I don't know. You don't get new music, unfortunately, Tucker. Oh, yeah. I don't think we have anything that really calls out the East Coast. It's just the West Coast. Right, yeah. I, I don't know. What is East, Eastern seaboard in the house. You're not doing any music. All right, no, I, I mean, that's not. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> our email comes in from Simon Williams as well. Uh, a little bit longer, so he wanted to get this all together. He says this is about the Spider-Man cartoon, Marvel's Spider-Man on Disney XD. He says, After watching a few clips, I think the new Spider-Man cartoon is going to be pretty good. But at the same time, I wonder, do we really need another Spider-Man cartoon? This will be the ninth animated series the character has had. Marvel already has other characters and stories that would make good cartoons. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Ms. Marvel, Squirrel Girl, or an Iron Man series starring Riri Williams are just a few examples. Any one of these would also add some much-needed diversity to Marvel Animation. Because in the entire history of Marvel cartoons, there's only been one animated series for kids that starred a woman, and that was Spider-Man, Spider-Woman back in the late 70s. Has there never been a Marvel animated series? Uh, there has never been a Marvel animated series for kids that starred a minority. Little girls and children, and something happened with the rest of this email. Didn't get uh, copied over. Um, but the point is well taken, Simon. I will say... I will say this is something that the Marvel Animation team is very thoughtful about. Um, And there are so many cool opportunities and things that could happen. Uh, You never know. Um, There are lots of interesting things that could be in development, that could be in the works on any number of levels. Wow. Um, uh, Not to say any of your ideas may or may not be things that we've already been thinking about, but uh, I think we've seen a lot of interesting strides uh, and important things for, especially like the Avengers cartoon, you see Ms. Marvel being one of the the characters who shows up prominently in there. Or, um, I think the Avengers cartoon is, like, there's a focus on Black Panther that that's that's what the show is becoming yeah. uh, in the future. So that's an important thing. We That was some news coming out of San Diego or D23 or one of them. I, it was two weeks of, not, of craziness in my yeah. head. Um, but I will say these things, development on an animated series is like the longest thing in the world. Right, yeah. It's crazy. But I, you know, I talk to our animated folks all the time. Court Lane and his team are just thinking about things in really smart, really exciting ways, uh, honestly, for, for a lot of things going forward. And, you know, 
saying that, oh, this is the ninth Spider-Man cartoon, you know, it, it, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't even think of it as like we could have done Spider-Man or something. It's yeah, like, exactly. we're going to do Spider-Man and we're going to do other things. Totally. They're, they're, Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because we, we've announced like uh, Anya Corazon is on the show and I, Miles is on the show mm-hmm. uh, and there's just really cool cast of characters on Marvel Spider-Man and that's going to be Spider-Man. But yeah. what else could we be doing? Stay tuned, True Four believer. E's. Secrets. Yes, that's right. Or, or not. Or, or I, but I'm not saying nothing, <laughs> nothing for anybody to, to think that there's something for me to be reported here. Just saying that your thoughts are not wrong, Simon, and it's not anything outside of many people's thoughts here as well. Totally. So um, think more and more and more. Cool, cool, cool. Lots to come uh, in the future for anything Marvel. Yeah. You know, we're always working on tons of things. Something is always in development in one way, shape, or form. So when there's news, when things are right, um, you'll be hearing more. Awesome. I promise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did it. Episode 301. 301. Only 299 more to go until we hit 600. And then what happens? Uh, Then we we get ready for 601. (laughs) Yes. And then it's 299 till... Number, hang on, we just do this. Yeah, so carry the 12th. Yep. 900. Yeah, you did it. Thank you. Yep. Great. <laughs> uh, all right. That's it for this week. Thank you all. Uh, and we'll be back theoretically next week. Yeah. With another episode. 302. Hot 302. and heavy. Can't wait. This is Marvel, your universe. Mm-hmm.